the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers, back with your 2x2 retro review for the month of August. Sneaking it in under the wire. Yes. The the summer of sexual seduction comes to a, a ignominious hot, end. A hot Always and steamy to end? use that. Maybe? No? Uh, we'll get into it. Yeah. A little less steam than I would like. Mm-hmm. In, in the case of one of these films and uh yeah this was a an even swap this time you hadn't seen my pick i hadn't seen yours i think we know which one we're talking about first we talked a little bit off mic we tend not to do this but we uh we were hanging out at our, our one of our childhood homes uh yes swimming in the pool yeah. this past weekend and i i did let it slip that i think your pick for this month might be the worst movie we've ever covered in two by two retro reviews. Probably. Um, we don't intentionally usually go for like bad. Yeah. So, and you were very excited to do this one. Oh so yeah. I gotta be honest. I was a little baffled. Um, it's, it's <laughs> in the so bad it's good category, but I have actually, I hadn't sat down I and re- a little bit more of that. I needed more, more fun. Right. And I also, probably needed to watch just the theatrical cut we'll get into it we're talking color of night yes uh that was my pick. That, color that's of the night. one yeah that, that's the one that we're Obvious. gonna we're gonna breeze by as quickly as possible <laughs> uh so we can get to my pick yes <laughs> we used to do a little show called the bay of lynch it, it may come back at some point i feel like i've literally said that five or six times but anyways, I decided I'm just going to start throwing, you know, I wanted to do one. It worked for this. You said erotic thriller. I said, Mulholland Drive, baby. Yeah. To which you said, never seen it. And I was like, I thought somehow you had gotten to this one. Nope. And, and I watched it and I was like, this is so why I haven't excited. gotten to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. But you agree we can do Color of Night first? Of course. We're not going to do any preamble on this one because, uh, to be honest, we have a mountain of uh, stuff we've watched in right. the interim because it's been, what, a month since we recorded? Mm-hmm. Been a little busy. I- I'll plug one thing at the top, actually. Um, you got an album out, right? Yep. Drop today to the day we're recording this. You're probably not hearing this until a day. But it's available now uh, everywhere you listen to music. Uh, it's called Builder EP. It's, it's an EP by me, NARC. That's a lowercase N, capital A, R, K. Yeah. But yeah, that's me, Noah, NARC. Yeah, I had to listen to it last night. Check me out on Spotify to... if you like ambient music, if you like stuff to relax to, stuff to meditate to, or stuff to, yeah. to just help you drift off to sleep. It's a very TM-centric uh, uh, album, I do say. I could get into it if I had a mantra or something to think about when I'm trying to figure we, we out do, stuff. We can get you a mantra. Yeah. You want a mantra, dude? I can get you a mantra. I know a guy. <laughs> I can get you, I can get so, you a mantra uh, in five minutes. Yeah, no no pressure, but, you know, if you if you, if you are listening to this, if you're one of the 50 yeah. people that listens to this podcast that doesn't know about my my little side project, yeah. what, what if have you're, you. If you're one of the 50 who listen. My foray into the music world. If you, uh, one of the 50 that listen and you're looking for acts and you need to book somebody, the email is the arc of E at gmail.com. You know, putting the business out there, baby. There you go. 
Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, and you can you can check me out on Spotify, all the major platforms. Apple Music. That's where you can find my two proper label releases. But right. then if you want to go for the real deep dive. Yeah. The old if stuff. You're hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The deep cuts. If you're a hardcore fan, uh, you can go to SoundCloud. That's where you can hear a lot of different genres of music that I experiment with. But yeah, yeah. the well, label stuff is just, it, it's the ambient, yeah. the chill stuff. Yeah. Specifically, like I'm not even allowed you to know, use percussion. Like it's, not, one, it's not allowed. One for them, <laughs> one for you. It's more like I've done two for them and about 750 for me. Albums or just songs? Individual tracks, we're up in the, we're up in the 700s mm-hmm. right now. Got about two days worth of you could put on my my iTunes archive, and it would run for two days hmm. without repeating a track. Wow! I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Some would argue there's probably a lot of trash in there. You never know. Some might call some of it unlistenable. See, when I think of that, I think of like Friends when Ross comes back to his like keyboard. Oh yeah, Peter Pan, all that stuff. I don't really have anything like that. But yeah. I'll get there. One it's of not full on like Mark I haven't, I haven't gotten that far along. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. He was on some other shit. Yes. Yeah. He's really out there. Yeah. So like who <laughs> are you love, channeling? I'm sorry. I love Phoebe in that episode. Yeah. He's so good. good. He's a genius. He doesn't even know it. Who are you channeling when you I when would you kill not to people? be recognized in my own time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that should just be your bio. <laughs> on I, anything. Should, I should rewrite it. Right yeah. Now. Okay. But seriously, who are you channeling whenever you're making music? I mean, I I don't know. Sometimes there's you don't like, have like a guy that pops in your head. And you're sometimes just like, there's there's like a an artist or somebody I'm aiming for like, mm-hmm. that I'm actively like trying to imitate. Mm-hmm. But like that's a lot of different people. Okay. Yeah, depending on the on the mood. But this one that's out, um, that that just feels really self indulgent. We'll get into the. Uh, the two by two. Yeah, we got to ramble just a tad bit, you know, before we actually get into this. Yeah, thing. it feels weird not having any preamble, but we. This is the if preamble. we get into the list, yeah, um, of of stuff, it's it's massive. I do need to ask real quick though. Did you have you seen Candyman? No, not yet. Okay. Have you? Yeah. Okay. I went I by myself <laughs> the other night because, basically, like Veronica ended up not wanting to go and Brendan was going to go but then he didn't want to go and then he, he was going to bring his girlfriend and then she didn't want to go or and then he didn't want to go I don't know I ended up at the movie by myself Some so it was a times. crowd of about 25 people and it was a good theatrical experience that's hmm. all I'll say I recommend that you see it on the big screen if you okay. choose to do so I have to watch we'll it originally talk about yeah. it afterwards. I would also recommend that you do that actually yeah. um, it Maybe ties we'll... in very interesting ways i mean it is a it is a straight up sequel yeah um well let's uh let's i'll check it out and then maybe yeah. that'll be like the first big thing we do for october you know yes no by that say, time more people probably we'll definitely save it. that conversation for yeah. it and honestly it'll probably either still be playing in theaters or it will be on vod yeah by the time we get to october so that works uh, but yeah i do recommend if people are curious it's definitely i recommend seeing it and seeing it if you feel comfortable going to a theater so you can see it with with a crowd yeah uh but if not, yeah, like we said, it'll probably be on VOD within like 45 days or something. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we got sidetracked. Uh, and let's not go down the rabbit hole of new stuff. So, Color of Night. Color of Night? I guess yeah. we're kicking it off? All right. Yeah. I'm going to... Listen to that trailer, Noel. Let's. 
Today I'd like to focus on a most enlightening and challenging topic. Sex. More or less. I know what kind of a force group can become in your lives. You tell things here. Intimate things. In the heat of passion. Why would you be ashamed of being a shrink? I told you I was a shrink. Dr. Bill Kappa is about to learn things he never knew. You're trying to play it safe, trying to see me as a case instead of as a female. About human desires. <laughs> One of my patients was killed last night. He was stabbed in the chest 38 times. Now, he's probing their deepest secrets. You know what kind of power people hand over to streets? Well, maybe sometimes they hand over more than they want. But somebody's secret will make him the next target. Tell me about this Monday group. There's five patients in the group. Like five cuckoos? No. Four neurotics of varying degrees and one killer. He's being drawn deeper. I don't really know who you are, what you do. You have all the power. Into a world can't explain. You've fallen into a trap. A hunger he can't resist. Oh, God, I don't know who you think I am. And a danger. <laughs> he can't escape. Whoever it was was a maniac. You think it could have been a woman? You know what I think? I think it was you. People are getting killed around here. You understand that? Color of Night. Okay, brother. Color of Night, 1994. Directed by um Richard Rush. Not familiar. Me neither. <laughs> Not familiar. Um, I do. If you can refresh my memory, and if you have it handy. What were the other two options? Because we originally, we, we each started with four. We put it to a, a vote. There was no consensus on the first round. And then we basically just picked for our second one. But we to remind people. Body heat. Basic instinct. Yes, those are definitely on the list. The color of night I know I put on there. I had body double. Yes. The Palma movie. Mulholland, which we're doing. Yeah. I had, obviously, Eyes Wide Shut, which we did, mm-hmm. and my fourth was The Last Seduction, which would have been a first-timer for me. Did, was Jade? That's the one with uh, Linda did Fear I and Jade Gino. I that? think you did put Jade yeah. on there. Uh, side note, Jade kicks the shit out of Color of Night. Oh, of course. Um, just want to put that out there to begin with. This movie is trash. Um, it's, I'm gonna go, it's the worst thing, because the other one that came to mind was A Million Ways to Die in the West, mm-hmm. which I had a far more enjoyable time watching than I did right. this movie. Uh, and I, I was trying to think. I was like, were there any other like outright stinkers that you gave me from season one? And nothing really leapt to mind. Yeah, I don't think that But was... I, this has got to be the worst, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm content why, to go ahead and why, say that. Why this one for erotic thrillers? Why? Okay, if I'm gonna just I got where, where was your head at, and and then also give me plot time. I, I want you to just go for a minute. I'm I gonna, just I'm enjoy this beer and watch you do your thing. I just wanted us to have another full frontal male penis on screen. Noah, that is the only reason I picked this. 
that and because when I was a child, I keep, literally keep boiled going. this. I literally boiled Continue, this. Counselor. <laughs> Your Honor, when I was a child, I literally boiled this movie down to how many times are they getting naked? How this isn't that. This is like if I'm obviously I'm bearing my soul. No, so I'm just going to get this out there. This is one of like four movies that I didn't own, but anytime they're on HBO or something, we had it was like. I'm jerking off of this. I just, I have to, you know, it was like, this. I owe it to this film. Yeah. Listen, at the time that we stood up, we saluted that man. <laughs> at the time, I didn't know, I didn't know, um, showgirls and I didn't what, know which, which predates showgirls. Showgirls is what? 95. This is 94. Oh, showgirls is 95. I thought it was. I was just wondering who got to the pool sex scene first. The water-based water, it, oh, water sex scene. That would make sense. I guess this happens first, and Berhoven's like, we can do better than that. I mean... We don't even, we're not going to go underwater or anything, but like... Why, why Berhoven would have even thought there was any competition from this film? That was my... the As soon as we started getting into the, the meat of it, if you will, um, and, and Gavin will describe the plot in just a moment, yes. but when we did start to get to... The erotic, in quote, heavy quotes on this one, okay? The erotic section of this film. Sections. Sections, plural, excuse me. Vignettes, if you Especially will. if you're watching the director's cut, apparently. We'll get into that. Because uh, maybe you have different memories of it from HBO, and like maybe you were, were able to spot stuff. This was my first time through. But we watched the director's cut. Right. An ungodly runtime of two hours and 20 minutes. Right. Uh but apparently that was the one that people needed to see. Why? We may never know. Well, see, here's the thing. In all of the research, the little bit that I did, basically... The little bit that you're doing right now no, no, on your phone I, as you scramble no, to IMDb. I'm just looking, I'm just trying to think of, I'm trying to think of like, dude, this is the same year as Pulp Fiction. I'm aware. That's how I was going to get to that at some point and bring up how it's insane that... Those two this performances man works, exist. Dude. Like he, he, what else did he have in '94? Hit me with it. '94 uh, uh, North, nobody's fool. Pulp Fiction next year. North is like a cameo, though, right? I don't is know. Is it the Easter Bunny? I he's a narrator. Remember. Okay. Yeah, but you got to think. What does he play a bunny in? Is that that is North? Yeah. He's in a bunny costume. Yeah, but he's also the narrator. Okay. But you got to think like we love Hudson Hawk, but he's coming off Hudson Hawk, which maybe wasn't that great. The last movie. Oh, Scout. as far as most people are concerned, the movie's trash, but it's a classic. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Well, last Boy Scout, which I haven't watched all the way through in a long time. You got Death Becomes Her in 92, Striking Distance in 93, which it's I, I just love him because his name is Tom Hardy. That's his name in the movie. Um, I guess he makes a cameo as, as John McClane in National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. And then 94, I guess, is the, I don't know if you want to call it the rebirth or like the rebut because you got Pulp Fiction, which. Is what it is for his character. But also North, Color of Night, and Nobody's Fool comes out. 95, probably my favorite year of his. Die Hard with a Vengeance, Four Rooms, and Twelve Monkeys. If I'm picking a year out of out of the 90s for him, that I'm like, that's it. But then there's also Fifth Element and the Jackal in 97. And of course we get to Mercury Rising, Armageddon, The Siege in 98. We're just doing his 90s. Don't take us into the 2000s. Yeah. And then you got the Sixth Sense in '99. The guy works, dude. I mean, I mean, people yeah, wonder why he, they see him he, in all this straight to DVD stuff. It's like the dude because he likes 
funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea that he just wanted to be a harmonica player and play blues, and he's like, I'll just do this acting thing because people think I'm all right in it, but I really would love to be Bruno, this fucking blues player. But this okay. one just... it. <sighs> It's so... Okay, excuse me. You just did it, but what is he coming directly off of? Um, I mean, let me see the release date. That's August 19th, 94. Striking Distance would have been it. But essentially, The Color of Night premieres four months after Pulp Fiction in theaters. And Bombs. What? Color of Night or Pulp Fiction? Color of Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Meaning $40 million budget, like, $19 even, million. Yeah. even at that point, and even off the the goodwill of the the Pulp Fiction, it, like because this has no connection to any kind of like '90s independent like move. But the, like this is this feels like leftover '80s trash. It yes. really does. It feels like again, this is the stuff that pushes the erotic thriller genre to the nadir that we talked about when we did Wild Things. Mm-hmm. and eyes wide shut last month so but to me it's it's a runner of things like this that underperform jade same thing kind of a bomb that one's a little more big budget if i'm not mistaken and i feel like this one was a, a big budget as well just because of his probably asking price at this point there's no other huge stars and i don't know that bacula was pulling down like no you know, crazy dough for this maybe tell people what it's about um, maybe we should do so that Bruce, if you if you didn't watch it beforehand, but also if you didn't, I mean, it's all right. You're not missing much. Yeah, re- so, really, two hours and twenty minutes that you will not not miss. And I can't even recommend that. Like, oh, you should go check out these these sex scenes because I will not, give it to not, you. This, not listen, erotic if you, listen, hang in on. the if slightest. You're, if you're looking there's for, no, there's nothing erotic. In no, this, if you're looking for a movie. That has a sex scene. That also has a pause for dinner, and <laughs> that then is one has of a the shower, shower that, sex scene. You you come to the right place. That is one of the funniest things I've yes. ever seen in a movie. I will give it that. Yes. That was absolutely hysterical, and I literally said, and Veronica watched this with me excitedly when I said <laughs> when I told her what the pairing was. She was like, "Oh, great! Possibly my favorite movie of all time, and this like erotic thriller I've never seen." Okay, and Bruce mm-hmm. Willis is in it. Like, okay, I'm down, whatever. And so, she's like, okay, well, which one are we watching tonight? And I was like, well, I figured I'd go Color of Night first, and then you know, watch Mulholland. Got the new Criterion 4K restoration. It's uh, it's quite the thing to behold. Uh, maybe if you want to give it a second shot, we'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, maybe I can lend it to you. You can watch it slightly differently. Um, so we did Color of Night first. And we were just straight up bored to tears. Yeah. But try and entice people with what this movie is actually about. Okay. Please do. So Bruce Willis is a New York uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, shrink. He's a shrink. He's he's a head shrink. But he's not a... Never mind. Continue. I'm not going to interrupt. He can't can't prescribe jokes. He just does therapy. Yes. So um, after an accident with a former patient... Um, he <clears throat> suddenly loses the ability to see color, the color red, essentially. And the only thing he can think okay. to do is... First, of, I, I'm having so many thoughts. I'm just like, well, we have to talk about that opening. And then also we have to talk about we'll get why color blind is even a, a yeah. factor in this movie. Yeah. Go ahead. So Go ahead. 
the only thing he, he thinks to do is to take a trip out west to go see his old buddy, who I think married his ex-wife for a little bit. At one point, he was married. I don't think that's a pertinent detail. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> uh, his buddy Scott Bakula is doing really well for himself. He says, "You know, come out. We'll see you. We'll talk." And introduces him to. He just quantum leaped his way quantum leap, right, yeah, to right the top of the the book selling mm-hmm. charts. Yep, he sure doing did. really well for himself. Mm-hmm. In fact, when Bruce Willis gets there, he makes fists with his toes so he can know, like <laughs> you know, he he's, he's all right with the plane ride. Um, and you know, his buddy's going over. You know, hey, this is the group. You know, I think something's you know something's kind of off with them. I'm not sure, but I'm making progress. And then out of the blue, his buddy's killed, and Bruce Willis thinks somebody in this group had something to do with it and then breaking every fucking protocol known to man in psychology and police and criminology (laughs) they have bruce willis take over for scott bakula and he tries to detective worm his way through begrudgingly the entire time until he meets a certain young lady take over not just his practice but his entire life, life. yes he lives his in home, his house his he drives his car he fucks everything. his woman yes um who yeah yes. that we got a lot to unpack no yeah yeah we're gonna try and do it in a pretty concise fashion because there's no depth here no there's no you're not gonna convince me that like there's some grand themes or some like some some thematic richness to be mined from this movie it is garbage it is trash yes but it is pretty wild. Like I said, it does feel like leftover 80s. But also, I, I, the 90s, the early 90s here is a pretty wild time, mm-hmm. plot-wise. One thing I was very disappointed to discover. <laughs> Written by Billy Ray? Yeah. My boy, Billy Ray? Mm-hmm. Shattered Glass? Love Shattered Glass. Breach? You pretty got, solid. You gotta start somewhere, man. I mean, I think he'd written stuff prior to this, and he definitely has some stinkers in his resume, but I want to believe that, like, some of these lines were just straight improv or, like, oh, I rewrites, so. because I'm like, eh, not not Billy Ray, no. No? Well, I don't know. Rush did write Air America, so maybe there is some, you know, maybe he didn't. Because this is the thing, and the research I found, they were like, it says... You know, Bruce Willis, notorious for not getting along with directors, fucking love Richard Rush. Probably because he let him do whatever the fuck he wanted. Right. Probably because he didn't fight him at all, because or he was a straight-up yes-man. If we're going based off Kevin Smith knowledge, he knew what lenses were what, and he was fine, <laughs> sure. yeah, you know, with what did what. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah, opening scene. Okay. Um, his... Patient no, opening credits. Yes, she's doing crazy shit with lipstick, putting the guy. And this, she was on ER, right? Yeah, she's Lucy's sister, Lucy's crazy sister that had the baby. Lucy's sister, not Lucy. Uh, doctor, the doctor Clea? that was into Green. Nah. It's her name is Chloe on ER. It was the uh, one that Green loved. That like she left. Oh my god, the blonde, came, right? Yeah. I can't. And oh came back after God. he died. Yeah. And then Carter and her had a thing for a minute. Yeah. What the fuck was her name? I yeah, but dead, yeah, but I just not know her relevant as, to this. Conversation, not relevant, but I just know her as that. I also know her as the plucky bartender in Roadhouse. Yes, that's okay. Amazing. She's been in a bunch of. She's things. yeah, she's one Very of those ladies. But yeah, she's doing crazy shit with the lipstick. She's like font. She's filleting a a, a loaded gun? weapon. Yes. Uh that's the opening credits. Yes. And then, yeah. Smash cut, they're in, in his therapy, office. In therapy, you're like, okay, 
Bruce Willis. All right. And, and, and basically, pretty unceremoniously and very quickly, she he starts to, basically she starts going on and on. He's like, "Bitch, I'm fed up with you." Like <laughs> I say these things over and over, and like you're making up half this shit. He basically breaches protocol. He he oversteps, and he basically calls her out like any probably normal person would. Not something that your doctor should do right. if you're in a safe space. And he says, "Look at yourself. Look in the mirror." Like do this and she's like i think i like the view from the window and she fucking throws herself out the window and then he goes to look and all of a sudden he cannot see the blood he's lost sight of the color red okay couple things first of all she falls for a very long time yes from quite a height yes to the point you can tell if you really slow it down that it's just a dummy flying in the air which i I love i hate to be a stickler yeah but, I mean, they should have showed the impact and everything. Yes. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. But there would there would be nothing left. No. Like, she would explode, right? Right. From that height. Like. She would at least crumple up. There would be nothing intact, though. You, on that impact from that height, like, you would just. She'd probably bump. get thrown back into the building first before she hit the ground. With the amount of wind, how high up she is, yeah. That shit was wild. There's the pretty cool shot from underneath it. I will say, early on, there, that, we're seeing some crazy Dutch angles and stuff, and I'm like, all right, Richard Rush. All right. Yeah, made a movie in 12 years, but let's do this. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe there's going to be some interesting visual elements here. I can, I can get down. But yeah, and then you can't see the color red. So, is this how being colorblind works? Maybe it's like selective colors or like parts of the color spectrum. I, in my limited research of colorblindness, Noah, I there's varying cases. There's so, West Indian colorblindness that leads you to um, not be able to see yellows and purples, and then there's North you, African colorblindness that doesn't allow you to you, see. No, I'm fucking bullshitting you, dude. I don't know. And I think the movie is hoping that you don't think too much about exactly. this. But here, I kept brushing up against this because the movie does, it does try and kind of carry it as a as a thread throughout. Right. But it's dumb as shit, right? Because if, if he just can't see the color red, right? right. It probably looks like, like a washed out gray or an absence right. of color, right? Right. So wouldn't you then know that like, oh, that thing's red. Yeah. Right. So when there's a chase scene and the and the the drama of it is supposed to be, oh my God, he doesn't see, he doesn't see the car, because he can't see, because the car is red. Yeah. The car is red. Yeah. The goddamn car, car is red. red. Yeah. But the, I I'm just sitting there the whole time going like, but if he, if what he sees is an absence of color, if he can't see the color red, and it's just grayed out it's grayed out then don't you know that that's the color i don't i don't get it i need somebody to explain to me how colorblindness works and maybe i need to watch like a five minute youtube video yeah but i did not i did not get how that added any like great dramatic tension other than the most like ham-fisted thing of spoiler alert the woman who he becomes involved with right whose name is rose Yes. Roses are red 
and he can't see what's coming from her. Yep. I like that clumsy detail, which I only realized today when I was like, oh, yeah, her name was Rose. Uh, oh, oh. But how it's visually executed in the movie, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Yes. In my entire life. Um, I, I, I don't get it. And maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I was not at this movie's level, but you seem like you were puzzled by it. I, it was, I think it just served the purpose of later on in the film where he finds another one of the, I guess his patients now dead. The yes. cool shot is like, inherited. the cool patients. shot of like, he can't realize one that the, like, one of the orphaned patients that yes, he picks up, exactly. you know, with literally no one paperwork of the whatsoever. Richest, one of the rich ass motherfuckers that pay Scott Bakula. I mean, let's talk about so, Scott Bakula's house. Okay. In this well, movie. Let's, let's talk about the back. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So the, the woman kills herself, and then he He's talks to his old, like, basically his, presumably his mentor. I don't it, think yeah. it's, like, his dad or anything, yeah. but his mentor. He's like, I gotta go to the West Coast. Like, he's kind of freaking out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Boom, he shows up. He literally shows up and walks into Bacula's office right yeah. before he's about to have a group therapy session. And I'm thinking, like, I know, like, obviously there's no cell phones, but, like, he's right. at his office. Like, you couldn't have just been, like... Hey, yeah. Secretary, take meet, him to the house. Or yeah, like, meet me at my place. Like, this guy seems super well off, obviously. Yeah. With his super successful book. Uh, but, yeah, you're like, you can't, like, have your buddy picked up at the airport and, like, taken to your house and, like, have him chilling mm-hmm. by the pool. But uh, we'll get to that pool in a bit. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so he comes in and he just, like, brings him into the group therapy session and we meet. We got... Kevin Joe Connor, who you mentioned, yes, the overprivileged, rich, artsy guy, yes, who you'll recognize as Benny, Benny from the Mummy, yes, and the imposter brother from There Will Be Blood. What about Joe? Is he Joey from Deep Rising? Yes, yes. I don't know the character's name, but yes, yeah. he is in Deep Rising and yeah. fairly memorable. Which is also a Summers movie, right? That predates the Mummy. Yes, that's right. Uh, but yeah. His, I mean, let's be real. He would like you to remember him from There Will Be Blood. That's the most prestigious thing on his. But he's yes. been in a ton of shit. Oh, yeah. He's like another Kevin. one of those guys. I like Kevin J. O'Connor. So I was yeah. like, okay, I'm down with him. Mm-hmm. We got Brad Dorf, who, I mean, watch him in anything. Yeah. Great. Okay. Uh, Lance Henriksen. Yes. Same. Who also is in. Dude. Him and Scott Glenn, dude. There's sometimes when I'm just like. Are they the same guy? Like, do they... They've never been in a movie they the, together, have yeah, they? Yeah, I'm like, no. are they the same person, and they just kind of shapeshift? Prosthetics? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just one dude. Yeah. Do we know that it's not... They're not just one person? I mean, I again, I've never seen them in a movie together, so I can't say. I swear to God, there's sometimes where it's like, I'll be watching Scott Glenn and something, and at certain angles, I'm like, oh, it's Lance Hendrickson. And then it's the What's same it? thing, vice versa, dude. I swear. What but if we had a whole Mandela effect where, like, it was actually Scott Glenn and, P- and Pumpkinhead the entire time and we didn't know it? It you, is Scott Glenn. What? I want to put what? that in your head. <laughs> yeah. What? But um, it is Scott Glenn. You don't see Scott Glenn when you watch that movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren. Yes. Who I guess most people, like, recently would know from Daredevil, if anything. Who is she in Daredevil? Uh, she was Esther Falb. I don't know. I think that's season three. I don't know if I ever finished season three. Anyway, she was Scarlet in the Clue movie. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's in Victor Victoria. I mean, she's like she's been around another forever. one of those ladies. Yeah, she's been a ton of shit. She's still working to this day. She was just in uh, Echo Boomers with uh, Michael Shannon and some other people. Anyways, is that everybody from the therapy? Oh, then you got Richie. How could I forget? My God, who immediately? I'm just like, I guess what's what's the fucking deal here? Yeah, like. <laughs> I don't know Again, if it's as the, a I don't child. Know if it's the, I didn't. I didn't. Well, think I'm twice. like, and I'm also sitting there going, like, okay, is it the transfer? I was like, or is this like, is this going to be some like really problematic, like trying to approach transgender issues in this like erotic thriller? Like, where are we going with this character? Mm-hmm. Very perplexed by it initially, and then about what? Like, it takes a full, at least in the director's cut, it's like a half hour before. Bacula gets iced, right? Spoilers. Right. Yeah. I don't know why I keep saying that. But when does Rose bump into uh, Bruce Willis? Like literally the day after. The day after. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, He's driving, trying to be like, I am not. as soon as she showed up, I was like, okay. I was like, do I remember this movie? Because, again, I knew I'd never seen it. Uh-huh. But I had listened to How Did This Get Made on it. Yes. Literally like six, seven years ago. Like I was still working for Pier 1. Right. In Charleston. I rem- I just remember listening to that episode while I was like stocking stuff. I mm-hmm. have the memory of it. So yeah, about seven years ago. And I was like trying to piece together the plot as I was watching it. But like I never got ahead of it. I never remembered the like the the twist mm-hmm. but i knew where there we were headed yeah. essentially i knew there was something up with that character and it's so telegraphed mm-hmm. she won't give him his phone number like she shows up at weird fucking times constantly and then i mean they they reveal it to you pretty early or like earlier than you would think they would probably yeah okay well no so it, it gets let, it, well no it gets further interrupted because not only do you have Richie, then you have Rose show up. Then you have a third person show up that's clearly her, speaking in her own accent, with... Um, Leslie and Warren's Leslie character. Leslie Warren's character. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, okay, you yeah, immediately... That's her, her friend Bonnie. Bonnie, yeah. Yes. And it's everybody's friend, yeah. Bonnie. So Bacula bites it pretty hard, which... Well, genuinely before, a little before creepy. He, before he bites it, we get the setup of his place. He's got all the security. Mm-hmm. He's just made a ton of money. And it's like, well, why do you have all the security? It's like, I mean, get threats. Like, you know, people know I have a lot of money. I've got a lot. I've got some enemies from, mm-hmm. the, from the therapy world, et cetera. Yeah. You're like, okay. I think it's one somebody, somebody in my group. In group. I got I to figure out who it is. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's in his office, like... The night after they, well, they have like a, they have a bike race where they're like trying to one up each other. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I was thinking more like 20 like yeah. miles or whatever. And then you like the way it's staged, it's like, you guys look like you just like went around the block. Yeah. Like you went through a little dirt trail by his house and then like cycled back. But anyways, I'm not here to get into a pissing contest with Bacula and Willis, especially yeah. not in the nineties. No. But, uh, so yeah, shortly after that, he's in his office and gets murdered by what I thought was very clearly setting up a female killer. Yes. Just the way they show the hands. It mm-hmm. was like, I I think there was, they're trying to deliberately mislead you to try and like tack on an extra twist in this movie that this movie does not need. Yeah. The movie doesn't need a lot of things. But, uh, so yeah, Bacula gets 
very like pretty violently fucked up. I don't know if this was something that was like ramped up in the director's cut. Or I don't if think it was so. all like sexual related or whatever. But I remember, I remember it is, being like yeah. the, about the same. And to me, it's well, this is definitely this is post Basic Instinct, right? Yeah. When is Basic Instinct? Ninety two, ninety three. I can't remember. 92 you're correct i mean kind of the kind of the gold standard mm-hmm. for your 90s erotic thrillers if we're being honest yeah. everything else is kind of just like whiffing its fumes essentially and i mean fatal attraction obviously but that's 80s yeah, yeah that predates yeah yeah that's the turn into these more like crazy ones like body heat and stuff is like it's like a noir. It's yeah, a yeah. Crime. Body it's a noir, crime yeah. thing, but it's yeah. not the female centric no, like, sexual horror. Like the thr- female centric yeah. sexual thriller, I believe Glenn Close of all people started it off. Yes, she's the grand the grandmother, granddad, whatever you want to call it, of that genre. Sharon, and Stone, Sharon Stone perfected it. She picks it up, perfects <laughs> it, gives you the blueprint for it, and everybody since has just been trying to get back to that thing. But it is interesting because. In this movie, they set up that, like, I, at least to me, the entire time, they're trying to throw you as, like, oh, it's Rose. Like, it's all Rose. Like, it's all her. Right. You know, she's moved into these people's lives. They don't really throw it to you. They By the time they tell you, like, oh, yeah, by the way, this was Scott Bakula's piece as well. You know? The right. sheer fact that he didn't meet her before Scott Bakula died, which you could argue... You know, spoiler alert, being Richie, if there's any semblance of, like, what's going on. But no, okay, I can't go over and see him now because, like, his buddy's here. I'll have to wait. But right after Bacula's death, we're introduced to my favorite character in the whole movie, which is fucking Hector, Ruben Blades. I think he is killing it in this movie. I fucking love this movie even somewhat watchable and like kept me at least somewhat engaged. Anytime he was on screen, I was like, yes, more of this, please. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to think had the predator not come to Los Angeles in the night in 92, (laughs) that like, this is who he would become. But I just, I don't know. I'm going to have to admit something. What? That I am that I was just a total, like, ignorant idiot about. I had no idea he was, like, you know, a legend in the Latin jazz, like, music scene Ooh, and yeah. all that. I had no idea. I mm. only know him as an actor. And uh-huh. then I, like, literally went and listened to some of his music. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I had right? no idea. Yeah. That, and also, is it is it Ruben Blades or is it Ruben Blades? I like, would say Blades. I mean, people say Blades, but I mean, I have said Blades since I was a little kid. Because, yeah. like, once upon a time in Mexico, what else is he in? Predator Two, I, Predator Two, which we loved. Is he in and Blood In Blood Out? I or, feel uh, like every Latino actor of a certain age was in there. I, I don't think he's in Sand Deliver. I think that's just just Lou Diamond and Edward James. Yeah, I don't think Ruben's in. But again, he is like the best part of the is movie. He some Tony Scott shit. I'm trying. I don't know. I just feel like I saw. He was in a bunch of shit that I liked when I was a kid. Yeah. So. He he totally plays, and you need somebody with, some sort of energy, even if it's not like the best comic relief ever. But, it plays. What are you What are you looking at? 
I was just looking at like okay. his. So he comes in as the the investigator, which again, Bruce Willis doesn't seem like super concerned about the fact that Bakula's dead. Kind of just like moves into his life. The cops don't seem like super concerned about finding this person to the point where they just like put him. You do it. You do. Yeah, it. they're just like yeah. You tell you me what's what. Do and our I'll, work and I'll for do us it. essentially. Yeah. It's, it's a little strange. So. Then we're in, we get a multiple group therapy scenes over the course of the movie, which right. supposedly are like a week apart. So like, it's kind of crazy if you stop and think about the amount of time this thing takes place over. Right. Um, pretty ridiculous. But where, where do you want to go? Cause it's honestly, it's a lot of just like Bruce Willis hanging out, kind of bumbling wait. around. Oh, I'll give vaguely you investigating things. Let's, and let's, let's start here. The the biggest thing I hate about this movie, okay, fucking Bruce Willis, one, but like fucking Bruce Willis, talking about Rose as she's like walking in. Here she oh does my this. God. Like, are you is are you reading the fucking script right now? Like, what are you doing? Here she comes. Like, she floats on angels' wings. What the fuck are you doing, man? She can't, dude. That is one. Sort of she can't hear you. Stuff. Yes. Two. She cannot hear you. This I can like, hear you. What the fuck? Like, and, okay, so, what is it? The She runs into the back of him. They agree to exchange stuff, and probably, like, one of the worst ADR lines is, like, she's, like, ask, she basically asks him, like, why won't you give me your info or something, something like that, and it's, like, you could lie or whatever. I'm, like, what? What is this? What are you about to play me? What are you about to show me, dude? My God. Oh, my God. Noah, what the fuck? That yeah, I'm, yeah. It's it's just that is all Veronica and I could think of was the Tim and Eric sketch. Here she comes with Weird Al Yankovic escorting the old ladies down the aisle. We just every time he did like when he did it the first time, we were like, that is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Like that is not cool. Like that's so strange. Yeah. And then when he does it the second, it becomes like a runner that he keeps doing every time she shows up. Every time she floats onto the property, yeah. where you're like. Dude, okay, you do get that, like, she definitely was banging Scott Bakula, because, like, how else would she be able to get in here so easily? Like, right. you're not... You've never taken her you're back. You're not thinking clear, right, dude. You, you are, are hypnotized you are by that ass, <laughs> and, like, them titties, like, you were, yeah. You're getting boners on the street, outside of restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even keep it together. Yeah. <laughs> and just think about it, man. Last week, some bitch threw herself out of your office window... And now you're here getting <laughs> getting felt up on the street corners, making out with strangers. Yeah. You're living your best life, Kappa. I can't wait. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so. Yeah. So I think it's, it's that there's a bunch of sex scenes in the middle of this. Probably my favorite being like Ruben Blades has come to talk to him. 
and it's like, okay, well, whatever. He sees her. Like, he sees this chick. Okay? And apparently he's been investigating everybody in the group. Right. And the fact that his dumb ass doesn't come back like, hey, you know, Richie and Rose, two R's, they kind of look alike. Maybe there's something. The fact that he doesn't know, oh, yeah, Richie had a sister as well as a brother that he's the ward of the state of now. Right. Okay. The fact that he can't find that out in the time it takes for Bruce Willis to boggles my mind. But then again, the cops don't care. It's just another shrink in L.A. that's just, right. oh, his own, his, his own cuckoo bird, like, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> his own wombat. Yeah. He calls people well, wombats, wombat, yeah. like, multiple times. Yeah. So There's a lot of improv happening. Again, the scene where she comes over, he's outside, Hector's leaving, and she just, like, phoom, is naked, and they're in the pool fucking. It's like, holy shit. Like, I read where... It's not... <laughs> I okay. read where it was a art. They like the MPA had a problem with like how close her face got to his dick underwater, and Richard Rush was like, "You don't have a problem when his face is close to her, but you got a problem when her face is close to his dick." I'm leaving it in. So like he okay. got his under X rating and apparently just left it in. I I don't. I, there's tons of lore behind the whole thing. Um, first, Jane March is like, I didn't really care for the sex scenes and nudity. Then everybody's like, on set, she was fine with it. Who knows? There's the tragic backstory that she married somebody on the set of this movie. His assistant or something, right? Right. And, like, Bruce Willis was the... Um, like, how does that work, dude? Like, you're watching Bruce Willis rail this woman or, like, pretend to rail this woman. And you're like, I gotta marry that. And you do. And then you proceed to be like, I think this guy's thinking, oh, she's fucking hot. And she's, this movie's going to pop. And she's going to be the next Sharon Stone. I got to get it on the ground level. Because apparently the reason why she didn't work a lot was the fact that in order to cast her, you had to hire her husband as a producer. And people were like, no oh, fucking thanks. it was one of those yeah, Like a weird power play. And, I mean, I think she pops up in what? Like Tarzan? The Tarzan movie with Casper Bandine? She plays Jane. I'll, you know, mm-hmm. pun intended. Um and like a couple of things recently, but she still does whatever she's, I, I don't know. I haven't seen her anything lately. It is what it is, but there's she's just a not, lot of I her. Mean, I mean, she's not terrible in this. No. She's not great either, right. but she's not like, I wouldn't know she's playing somebody with mental I, illness who has three personalities. But like really now that I know not, she does, I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's really not even a performance thing across the board. Cause like, I think Lance Henriksen's good in the movie. I, I think, Brad Dourif is. I think everybody like in in group Leslie and Warren's good. Like, I think everybody in the group is like it's well acted. I just don't. I think the screenplay is like dog shit, and yeah. it's like it's so disjointed and has all these like disparate you know what, elements. You know what it just, feels like? I just don't. Know it feels that. like people who talk to you about like transgender stuff, psychological stuff. Now it's like they saw this movie. And that's where they have like their understanding of shit. Or Silence of the Lambs or something. Yeah, like that. and yeah, it's like yeah. it. It's some. Yeah, this is one of those you could throw in a like movie psycho babble mumble jumble that you hear and you take as fact that no one has actually talked about. Because like they go into the whole thing of Richie being like, "I'm not gay. I don't want to be gay. I'm this." And it's like, well, he's like having an identity crisis. And it's like when you find out, like, oh no, You're, this kid was abused. Right. Supposedly, it's not even the that's same kid. Also, like. It uh... okay. Back to the sex scene for a second. Yeah. 
Which is to say that, like, it's so weird that, like, when you... When you do get the full backstory and everything, and Bruce Willis is made aware of it, like, he's still, like, oh, yeah, but I want to bang that chick. I like her. And I need her to, like, be the personality I know because, like, she can't be Richie (laughs) or, like, whatever. This, like, this won't work. But the idea that he's not, like, oh, shit, like, this, she's got a lot of issues. I need to, like. Oh, he is, but he's, like, I can do that. And I can fuck her, too. I know. It's just <laughs> so fucked up. It's like, but you're a doc. Don't you get, like, I thought the whole first part of the movie was, like, you made a huge mistake with a patient. and Who he wasn't fucking. Haunt. That's yeah. the problem. He wasn't fucking her. If he'd have been fucking <laughs> he, her, that's she the, wouldn't okay, have jumped yeah. out the window. I guess that's the lesson That's learned, the lesson. But that's the... If you're Bruce Willis's patient, Anyways, if he doesn't fuck so, you, you will kill yourself. It's that simple. That We solved it. That's okay. what the movie's all about. Back to the sex scene. I guess I was for like I was like okay the inventiveness of the the water based sex scene yeah. okay. But then it just goes on. It goes on. They have the um, we want to call it uh, <laughs> Chekhov's uh, glass thing. Oh yeah. That he, they he, play with multiple times, and, and you're kind of like, he's going to fuck her in front of that. Yep. He's definitely going to do that. Yep. The minute he yeah. Bacula picked it up, or he picked up the show Bacula, I was like, yep, I remember. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> That'll be in a sex scene later. I remember that yeah. was there. Yep. But you brought it up, dude. Yeah. They take a break. She makes a full meal. Yes. A steak, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Prepares it. Puts it down. Serves it. And I think she's like completely naked, or she has like an apron and, on. And he asked her to slide the slide the plate to the left. Yes. So he can see her breasts better. No, her fucking vag, man. Because she's oh, naked underneath. But she's not... The positioning of that plate... Never mind. The plate, it's a glass table. Oh, it's so a he glass can see ta- through it. Oh. Yeah. He can see through glass, even though he's colorblind. Yeah. And then they go back he's to he's unbreakable. Fucking, he is unbreakable. He's not Mr. Glass. No, he isn't Mr. Glass. Right. He's unbreakable. Yeah. Okay. He wants to be able to view Maybe. that because it's within striking distance. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I had to. Okay, I'm sorry. The point is, they take a break to eat, and then they go back to fuck. Like, he wakes up twice without no, her in bed. But, no. No, no. They don't she's, eat, No, no, though. no. no she, she puts says, down the food in front no, of him. She and... says, I want to get dressed up. I want to get dressed up. <laughs> he's like, what? After, like, when she's, like, he's fucking her from behind and she's pushed up against the headboard. She tells him she wants to get dressed up. Yeah. She gets dressed in whatever. Well, she, likes, she likes costumes and yeah. different characters. Hello. Foreshadowing. Yeah. She's yeah. multiple personalities. Okay. Out of right field, my ass. It's right there down Main Street. If you can't, you're such a great fucking psychologist. How can you not see this? He's dick blind. I'm telling <laughs> he's you, dick He's blind. dick blind. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But no, the important detail there, at least in the... We watch the same cut. We watch the same yeah. rental. They don't... He doesn't eat anything. No. She makes this whole meal, sits it down in front of him, and then he's like, nah, yeah, we gotta fuck some more. Yeah, they in don't the shower. Even, they break for her to make a meal for him that he does... That they do not eat. Right. Because they're so, so into each other. Because but this isn't is, nine and a half weeks. They're not gonna do any food plan. Yeah, no yeah. food plan. Yeah. Movie. That's too classy. That's some Adrian Line shit. And the thing I love is like, they obviously were in the pool. It says Color of Night. I don't know why, but I feel like Richard Rush probably talks like this. I don't know. 
I guess that it's like they were in the pool. I'm Richard Rush. <laughs> they were in the pool. <laughs> Dick Rush. They fu- they fucked. They stopped because you wanted to get dressed up, and then they have to shower off because it, the next also, scene is they're I'm in sorry. the shower. I'm so sorry, but I'm like, this just would not be acceptable by today's standards. No. No, I'm not talking about the sex. I'm talking about his tan line, dude. Yes. You're not allowed to do this in a movie no. anymore. You you can't just like show up for, unless it's a comedy. You know yes. what I'm saying? But like here, it's just like, oh yeah, he can have a horrible, like, it literally goes from like glistening, like bronzed God up top to like me, basically, <laughs> yeah. by the time you get down to his ass. And it's just like, dude, no, you just, you can't do that. No. In movies today. You've got to be perfectly evenly dead. Yeah. And if you're not, they will CG that shit for you. Right. But I was just like, and of course, the whole draw of this movie was just like, Bruce Willis in all his glory. And it's like, I mean, he's in pretty decent shape, but dude, you couldn't like, they had tanning beds. It's the 90s, bro. You have a, a private lawn it's, with it's a like, pool. You could 90s. tan naked outside. Yeah. You're going to show your dick in the sand. They're sitting outside (laughs) naked later on. Put the effort in, bro. (laughs) Like, come on. Jesus, man. That feels like an ego play in and of itself. Just like, fuck. I'm Bruce Bruce Willis. I don't need to. This is what I look like. Yeah. Tan up top. Pasty down below. Yeah. Ladies love it like this. I've got the everyman look. I'm I'm John McClane. Yeah. You think John McClane's got tan lines like this? That's the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up in the midst of all this is like, when did he... When did he lose, like, because the, the, that's why he also feels weird in this movie. Because, like, it's not an everyman character. No. At all. Um, and not that that was even totally his M.O. But when you think about, like, what John McClane started as. Yeah, that's what everybody kind of always talks about as the draw. Is, like, you know, action movies used to be these big buff dudes. And then all of a sudden it was, like, a normal guy. Just, like, a fucking cop. Just, like, going through it. Like, actually doing the, the rough stuff and, like... You know, he did some crazy shit, but it was it was within reason, pretty right. believable, and you know, et cetera. Grounded in reality. Yeah. When did he like completely abandon any semblance of like I'm I'm the everyman type dude? Because I feel like it was pretty early, but I feel like at this point he has fully like he's you know. I don't know. Do you want to? I mean, I you mean... defended the Death Wish remake, which I didn't even see, but. I, mean, I feel like that's an attempt at like doing more grounded or if like you're what talking straight action, dude. Like him. it's definitely when they jump over that bridge in Die Hard Three. The bridge, yeah. It's because who survives that? That's the craziest they get. You you do that to slam into this thing, and you are still oh, no, walking I was, around. I, and I wasn't even talking like, about the John McClane character. No, I'm saying, no, but I'm to me, saying, that's it. Okay. That's where it starts because that's the next year. Okay, which I believe was already shot before this came out. Or maybe it was in the... Ma- I don't know. Also, I, I think we've talked about this before, but it's the best three ever in a franchise, right? Right. Yes, of course. There's no other three that tops. Mm-mm. That even remotely comes to mind. With a Vengeance is, like, as good, if not better than the original. Yes. And is, like, far and away better than two, which is a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, even with all of its flaws. But, yeah. I... I'm almost glad I didn't see this one when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I we- it, it is weird, too, that, like, I definitely was aware of it, 
knew I like I knew there was a Bruce Willis movie that was similar to like a Michael Douglas movie. No, dude, no, dude, this is brain. this. Listen, like, this is the Bruce Willis movie where he shows his penis. That's it. That's what this what this movie boils down to. This is what's on his resume. That's the only if he had curio to, aspect if, of it. No, if he had if he had to go on reason anybody really picks it up. If he had to go on audition again, an audition again, and he had to put on his resume, willing to show dick. This is the movie that you put on to prove that he's willing to show his dick on camera. It's perfectly fine. I'm all for it. There should be total like more. Frontal. There wasn't enough of it. No, in the even in this director's. Game. No, it wasn't. There was enough of it there. It was not as promised. I mean, definitely Kevin Bacon's picking up the slack in yeah. Wild Things. And Bacon's is like you know at a at a glance, but it's still more than this movie, right? Which is centered around it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Bruce, you just get just the tip with Bruce. That's it. You know. Yeah. But for all we know, it uh, that's the only time it's ever flaccid because the rest of the time it's just rock hard. Again, he's getting boners in public. If, he's fucking her left and right. It's crazy. If you're not giving me Harvey Keitel and the piano and or Bad Lieutenant, you're not doing your job. That's okay. all I'm saying. All right. If, you re- if you're going to go there, go there. Right. If you're going to center your whole campaign around like, hey, you want to see this guy's dick in a movie? Then let him show his dick. I mean... Uh, not to mention things. Let's not are, beat around the bush. Not, <laughs> let's, not, yeah, Richard. Show us dick. Yeah, Richard. Come on, Dick. Not to Dick be, Rush. Listen, not to be jumping dick back on. Breaks, but more um, like it. Dick. I'm just what's gonna, the opposite of Rush. Let's just put this out there. <laughs> we both have seen it. Fucking Steve Zahn showed his penis. No problem. He showed his balls. He didn't show his. Penis. He had his dick in his hand, dude. Come on. But he didn't really see it. It was you could get you get enough to know what's what. Okay, I'm just I appreciate him for bringing the front male full frontal nudity back into play. I'm all for Murray Bartlett. Do you, have you finished? What have you finished it? What? Why Lewis? Of course. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. I was gonna say and for yeah know, and Murray Bartlett for yeah. you know taking a shit on camera. I'm yeah. pretty sure that or if not, it was the most convincing fake shit I've ever seen. Yeah, that was. That was something else. Yeah, that's a gamble because you never know what you're going to get. I'm sure we'll talk yeah. more about that show when we get to our year-end TV wrap-up. Um, so let me wrap this up because then we can get to the real reason we're here. Yeah, Essentially, you find out that um, Richie <laughs> is basically. dead. Richie is not. Richie has died. Yes. He committed suicide a long time ago. because Dale? Dale, his brother, um, who still wanted to have the memory of his little brother Richie around, made his, made his sister, sister Rose become Richie to go into group. And then Richie got busted because obviously you fragmented your your sister's mind. Richie gets busted, has to go to therapy. While Richie's in therapy, again, we haven't talked about Dale. Dale, the entire time of this movie, is like, my brother doesn't need therapy. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. And it just gets weirder and weirder that you're like, what's going on with this? And Bruce Willis is discovering that, you know, a little, a little too late, you might add. Maybe if this woman hadn't shut the door in his face when he came to visit her, half of his patients wouldn't have died, you know? Um, but she says, "Are you gonna put it on her?" I'm gonna put it on her. her. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a failure of the system. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I figure we could lay it at the feet of Reuben Blades for not doing his fucking. Yeah, job, no, I mean, dude. at the end of the day, what's Hector doing? Hector's on. fucking having birthday parties with cops hanging their asses off helicopters. Noah, that's oh what Hector. God, doing. yeah, that whole that was Veronica wild. was like, what was that? I was like, that was an excuse to literally like show this fine woman's like nice ass she was supposedly a cop i like i was like i think you see more than i think you see more than you think you see there like Mm -hmm. holy shit that was to mend race relations with the lapd that was also when i was like this is on another level where it's almost like it's almost like a dick measuring competition with other erotic thrillers where it's like we're gonna fly a chopper in 
to add more nudity. Look at us. Yeah. Dick Rush. Me, Dick Rush. Take, Choppers. Take names. Take my name down. <laughs> take notice. Dick Rush. Yeah, Dick Rush. Um, at your service. Yeah. And so essentially, the big crescendo is that uh, we find out that Buck and... We find out that Hector Buck was... Hector Hector's, had a backstory. That's that's my biggest thing. This movie is two hours and 20 minutes longer than the director's cut. And it still, still manages to not, like, give any depth to any of these people in okay. the group. I'm like, well, is that what listen, the movie is about? No, here's or is it thing. about Bruce Willis? Like, what is the... What is the focus? What are we doing here? Apparently, the theatrical cut was worse. There was so much stuff that was cut down. People did. They they was even more incoherent. No, people did. The director's cut is borderline incoherent. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They the basically Richard Rush was like my version of it will win out. Like it will be the better one. People will like it. And the producer he fought with was like Andrew Vajna. Yeah, it's like hey, it's 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 going to be theatrical cut. And when they when they allegedly when they gave them got like reactions from the director's cut critically people enjoyed it more than the theatrical cut they got and so but you know compared to what is my question because i can't imagine i can't imagine a shorter movie or shorter version being any more satisfying narratively so I get that. Yeah. But I'm like, but this is not good. No, this not is, by any means. But definitely probably if you saw like a, an even worse version of this, you'd be like, oh, marginal improvement. And then, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess maybe you then think it's good. I, I wonder if that's old Dick Rush being quoted about the critical reappraisal because I hear nobody saying like, oh, the director's cut a color of night. Like it's not one of those movies no. where it's like, oh, but if you only saw the director's cut, right. you'd get it. And so most it, recent example of that, sorry, never mind. We don't need to go down the side. I was going to say, ahead. like, basically you find out that, like, it's been Dale, his brother, the entire time killing these people off. Yes, Anybody that was, gets too close. Which was the slight, like, twist for me where I was like, I knew, obviously, that Rose was these right. multiple characters. Right. I had already picked up on that. Yeah. They had the reveal scene where and everybody's like, oh, my God, that's my involved. Bonnie. But, of course, the reveal that, like, she actually didn't do any of the murders. No. It was all Dale. I was like. Oh, okay, but that just feels like, but that's just a way for him to but, be with her at the end. But that's when all. they had him continue to reoccur throughout the movie as well, where I was like, "Well, that's really the only outside plot removed from this that like they are trying to keep as a thread in your brain." Right. Where I was like, "Okay, well, he's clearly got to be involved." So it's like, yeah, but it wasn't like a satisfying reveal in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it's particularly well acted on her part, though. Like transition between characters at all um but it ultimately ends with him killing where where of course you expect this movie to end which is on a fucking sky like yeah. the top spire of a skyscraper in what looks like the end of like ghostbusters or something like what the what it was the, the top of the art art gallery funnel kiln thing that that the brother was working in but it serves a purpose because he gets his color back. He can see red again. He's fine. And she's alive. I still don't quite understand how that Me works. Either colorblindness just yeah. fixes itself, I guess. Ruben, and, uh, uh, Hector's, you know, nail gunned to a... Uh, yeah, and they ADR some shit to let you know he's still alive. Yeah. And we'll give him the last lines of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pull out and smash, stop, jump, cut, and They definitely done. pull out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do that. Oh no, he didn't. Not at all. <laughs> oh, okay. She's straight up pregnant. Like, 
<laughs> the sequel is imagine yeah. three. Imagine if nothing happens and like a month later, Richie's all of a sudden pregnant somehow, and you're like, wait a minute, that what? That's how he found out. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, Color of Night, yeah. nineteen ninety four. Uh, I stand by it. Uh, even in talking about it, this was a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Uh, the worst movie I think we've covered, yeah, see, maybe that, on this entire network. Maybe, <laughs> but listen. At least I know that this was probably the worst thing I could ask you to watch. And I, still, I don't know I still what had you had a me modicum to... of uh, fun with it. Right. I say that. But I don't know what you had me watch. Okay. So. Are you ready? I let's take a walk down Mulholland Drive. What are we? Can we? Are we doing a trailer? What are we doing here? I do have a trailer. Okay, let's do a trailer because I want to hear how this was pitched before I we get into what I, I saw. I don't know if I'm even familiar with this trailer that I pulled, so uh, we'll, we'll find out together. Here's okay. the trailer for Mulholland Drive. I can't believe it. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm in this dream place. This one comes highly recommended. Dream place. What are you doing? Get out of the car. Yeah. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I just don't know who I am. I wonder where you were going. Mulholland oh, Drive. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. So I'm sure you found that trailer super helpful, and now you totally get the movie, right? Listen, I um, no, not so much. I don't want. I don't have <clears throat> one. I don't have your DVD because I forgot to take it out of the PlayStation Two. I tried to follow the little ten points to unlock this thriller that's on the inside of the DVD. Oh, I forgot that's on there. Yeah, no fucking idea. Oh, it's just him having fun with you. We can I'm pull sure. him up and go. Half, do you, no, no, do you no. want to use that as the no, framework fuck for this no, episode? Because I realized halfway through it, this motherfucker's jerking me off. None of this <laughs> matters. This fucking... This, was he jerking this you matters. off or was he jerking you around? Maybe he was jerking me around. Me? I was jerking me off. Okay. To a couple scenes. Um, <laughs> like, none of this matters. It's all fucking illusion. That's it. That's it. That's it. None of what I see, what what I saw was real or mattered. It was all an illusion. It was already recorded. It wasn't real, okay? It was just, yeah. I don't know, man. Okay. Like. You sound very frustrated. I am, dude. We thought you were going to. We thought you were gonna love this. Veronica and I were like, "Oh, he's gonna come in. He's gonna fucking. I. He's gonna give me that eyes wide shut energy, and he's gonna have like, he's gonna have a whole take and everything." Look, I never. By the way, I listened back. I don't mean to toot our own horns, and I'm not even tooting mine. 
I think that is some of your best work. No bullshit. What? On Wild Things and on Eyes Wide Shut, but particularly Eyes Wide Shut, I feel like that is one of the best conversations we've had about a movie in a very long time. Yeah, that's because I got to do research. You told me not to do it for this. You wanted a caveman assessment of Gab. Cap. But you, I mean, you... I have if, if you were literally speaking from, like, YouTube videos and stuff, I didn't know it. It, it felt so... No, no, so the, I, I listened to what people were talking... You shit. Yeah, I, yeah. I digest. I did what everybody learns in English class. I, I did specifically yeah. ask you not to do that with yeah. this movie um, but no i don't know if it fucking helped at all probably not i just listen and that's this is the one thing i'll have to say <laughs> the I, one thing and then we're done no okay, well no cool listen, shortest listen, two by two yeah in the history listen i appreciate people who have vision and want to tell a story but on some level at certain times i'm like you gotta fucking quit jerking me off here, man. Like, I got I'm relying on you to tell me something. And if you're bl- if you're blurring the lines and you're throwing weird shit out there left and right, and I don't know what you're doing. At some point, I'm just like, I don't fucking know, and I don't, I never will. And there's no point in me <laughs> even talking about it. Nothing is real, you know. Reality is irre- irrelevant. Everything is a, we're all cogs in the machine. It's all an illusion. No simulation yeah, you know there is no band there, there is no spoon there is no there is no man behind the winkies like there's no i just okay. you, you know what this feels like this feels like, feel like it feels like he was still pissed off that they wouldn't let him do the last season of twin peaks right there in the 90s he went off and made you know the tv movie to just have us ask more fucking questions about twin peaks and he was like, ha ha. And then he ran into Lost Highway and made that. And he was like, this well, is to, me to being me. Fire Walk With Me was not a TV movie. Whatever whatever it was. It was theatrical released. Fine. And it's yeah. like hardcore R-rated. That's the whole yeah. like jump to, that's how you get to the return. Regardless, Anyways. it just like, uh, uh, oh, they want they want answers? <laughs> I'll, I'll have them ask more questions. <laughs> and then that's that, okay? All right? And then I don't he, think he's as... He no, that's that Noah. That'll be the whole fucking joke with this guy. The entire time he's been playing you, and you didn't even you did know it, but you didn't think you knew it, but you really did know it the whole time, and you should have known it and said something about it to him. And he even still would have been like, mm, "Make up it what you want, just do it." But what do you think? It's like, no, you have to tell me. You're the director. You wrote this. <laughs> I get that this is, you had a fever dream, or you did a lot of TM one day, and you came up with something, but then all of a sudden, it's like, if you're going to give me this, like, if you can give me this, and you can do this, I haven't ever heard, and I don't think I ever will, but if I ever hear any complaints about not winning big time awards, this is why. (laughs) This is why you got the Cannes Film Festival Award and panned for an Oscar. You got an honor, like, has he won an Oscar? I think he got an honorary. Uh, honorary. He this, was nominated for this movie, though. Of course he was. And you know why he didn't win? Because nobody knows what the fuck they watched, <laughs> Noah. No okay. one. I will admit from the get-go, I'm putting you at a little bit of a disadvantage because, and you may have no desire to do this, this is a movie that I imagine is very hard to take in on a first viewing. But yes. you do kind of have to let it wash over you. I am so curious... For you to, I mean, I've seen it a ton. We could sit here and, like, we could go about this so many different ways. But I I don't know if you said you had some notes. I don't know what, I how bring, you want to approach it. But I, I took a shit ton. I forgot to bring them. I was trying to okay. follow the little 10-point ten, ten guide thing. Well, 
but I kind of want you to like, we'll we'll walk but, through it kind of semi chronologically, and you, you let me you ask talk you this. with me about how you're feeling as the movie progressed. You, he has never said anything about this movie. How do you mean? He's never given any answers to any of the questions people ask about what it means, what it's about. He's just been like, you figure it out, right? Essentially, yes. Okay. Then what are we doing here? What are we doing? We don't have an answer. We don't know what to do. Dude. Is this one of your joy as a cinema things? (laughs) You watched all, you've watched all of Twin Peaks. Yes. The original series. Yes. All of season two, even the stuff he didn't direct, even the stuff where it went off the rails. Yeah. You've seen every episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And you've watched The Return. Right. And you loved it, right? I loved it. That's why I'm so baffled. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna come to this and just like. You you gotta understand. Okay. Dive in and be like, oh, this is this is it. This is a masterpiece of cinema. This is one of the greatest movies ever made. Listen, that's depending on which way the wind blows. I'll just say this right now. This and every time I watch it, it goes further and further out. Depending on which way the wind blows, my like, if I'm going my like populist heart brain. It's almost famous. That's my that's my favorite movie. Right. But if I'm going like my cinema brain, like the shit that just like lights me on fire, and like I can go back to over and over again and get something new out of every time, it's Mulholland Drive. That would be like my second favorite movie of all time, if not my first. Like I said, depending on which way the, the wind is blowing, I absolutely adore this movie. Um, and again, I just I feel like you at least need to see it. One or two more times. Oh, no, that's but, why I kept the DVD. But anyways, I bring up all of that. And your relation to, like, the return. You you saw how he handled the expectations of what that series was going to be. Right. Over, what, 15, 16 hours? 18 hours. 18 hours. Over 18 hours where, I mean, again, spoilers for Twin Peaks, the return. If you haven't watched it. Please do yourself a yeah, favor. It's a my lot of, favorite a, piece of art that of, exists on this planet. A lot of pleasing <laughs> people who wanted something, who he knew, he probably, about maybe he knew, maybe he didn't know, he probably saw when the numbers got to Netflix, how many people went back and found it, discovered it, and when they finally let him do it, he did what he wanted to do. He got a big network in the 90s to let him do some crazy shit no one had seen before, and that I love. And he convinced him to give him two seasons of that. And that core story of an outsider coming into this weird town that it's the town. It's not just the, it's something's up with this town. I love it, you know? And there's like, there's like four stories at their core that I love and I will ride or die for any day. Stranger coming into town. Something's wrong with the town. A bunch of people in one place. They got to survive from whatever things outside. Um, a bunch of people, who don't know who they are, how they get there. They got to work together, whatever it is. And then basically the every man hero story of like the hero does his thing and he either leaves or dies. Those four, that's every story to me, breaking it all down. And I love Twin Peaks and the second season, even the shit that goes off the rails. And then waiting all that time to watch the return, I didn't care what it was. I had new Twin Peaks and it was, I knew it was his thing and what he wanted to do over 18 hours. Every other movie I've watched of his, I get it from watching it. Okay. I understand it. I see what's going on. 
I have no fucking idea what's going on with Mulholland Drive. You, but what other ones have you seen? Because we never, like... Racerhead, Elephant Man, Dune. Um, Did you watch Blue Velvet ever? We never made it that ago. far in the... I haven't watched uh, it. Under, I watched Blue Velvet before I was a film student person, so I need to watch it again. But still, I'm pretty sure that... Yeah, the little bit of Lost Highway I watched, you know... Wild at Heart? No? Yeah. Okay. Long time ago. Okay. So... But I, I mean, I understand where we're going here. Okay. I don't let know me, what this is based off of. I don't know if this is take, like a... Let me take you back real quick. You're asking... You... Sorry. You said... If he's not going to give us any answers, then what the fuck are we doing here, essentially? What's the point? Right. And fundamentally, I'm like, I can't believe... I mean, you're at least somewhat well-versed with him at this point how you can even ask a question like that. But I want to take you back to season two after they reveal who killed Laura Palmer. Right. I won't spoil that for anybody who's never finished the series. It's obviously Bob. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Okay. So, after that moment, I feel like you go one of two ways. People either think it's trash and it should have ended right there, or people actually kind of love how bizarre and weird it gets there for a little bit. And even though most of that is not even related to Lynch, it gets at the core of something that the show was always intended to be about, which is he never wanted to give an answer to who killed Laura Palmer. Because it wasn't about that. It was about all of these other mysteries. Right. And the, the what it reveals, what it, this one event reveals about everybody in this town and the seedy underbelly and web that it right that we start to start to see Mm -hmm. but he never wanted to reveal this is who did it Mm -hmm. it was it would have gone on and on and on except they forced him into revealing it and mark frost kind of talked him into it as well where he's like network really wants us to do it like they don't know if we can string this along for too much further blah blah blah. so they do it and then everybody stops watching as soon as they have an answer right right okay He's never been about giving the answer, man. It's the it's the puzzling over it that's 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 the joy of it. To him. It and it's either your vibe or it's not, but that's the Okay, every other thing else is great. This one, not my vibe. Not my not my I'm just shocked because there's so much between this and peaks, dude. Then tell me what it is. What am I missing? Okay. First of all, I mean obviously the soundtrack. Angelo Badalamenti. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Of course, they're soulmates. Okay. This was originally conceived, and the original concept for it was pitched in the 90s. Uh Uh-huh. As a spinoff of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Starring Audrey Horn, Sherilyn Fenn. Okay. She leaves Twin Peaks, goes to California to become an actress. And that's what happened to her. I saw it in the third one. She just she 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 made it. She's in that house. She's she made it. Yeah. She made it. Yeah. She became a big actress and she just locked up in her mansion house in LA, right? That's what the end of three that's what happened to her in season three, right? She's in some I don't <laughs> we don't know what was exactly. going on with Audrey. We don't and know I where don't, that was left. And that's perfectly fine with me. We'll have to find out. Because it's all about Maginamic. <laughs> that's all that matters. Anyways,
That was the original setup. So there was there was DNA there. Uh huh. Okay. And there are thematically there's a lot of things that connect. Yes. And there are even some characters from Twin Peaks that show up in this movie. Who you may or may not have seen. Didn't see. Okay. We'll get there, but there's... Honestly, dude, this is my, just you, the, the, you, you, you want my gut reaction, this is what it is. Now you let me go watch it again. Yeah, let me read a little bit about it. Let me maybe try to understand some stuff. Maybe I get my own point of view, and I unlock the secrets for you, and we figure this bad boy out okay. in a couple episodes. I'm I'm not opposed to that, but let's <laughs> let's attempt to talk through a few things. Okay, we open with a jitterbug scene. Yes. What What are you thinking at this point? I'm thinking that at some point this has got to come back into play. He wouldn't just put this here for no fucking reason. Well, but it's not there for no reason. Why is it there? That's how she... That's how she came to L.A. She won a jitterbug contest. That is right. I did hear that. I did write that down. Yeah. 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 This is the opening of of the movie. This This is his way of showing you her backstory, essentially. But just not in a conventional narrative way. And in an abstract, and, and she's not dancing in it. Way. And she's not dancing in the commercial. Um, no, you don't see her dancing. You see her winning, though. It's like superimposed over the. Okay, the that all right. So she, I'm taking all right. You see her. Okay. You see her. Um, the bright light. She's accepting. She gets the thing. Yeah. Okay. You see her grandparents. Yes. With her. Yeah. Very creepy individuals. You see them, and those aren't the two that were on the plane with her. No, they are. Then why does she talk to them like she doesn't know them? What? The people that... She comes out of the airport with two older people. Yeah. That's her grandma. Does she call her her grandma? I I assume... I've always assumed that. But okay. Again, irrelevant. Whatever. Before we get to any of that, we have the jitterbug secret. And then we're on Mulholland Drive. Again, we never see the... I love that we never see the title Mulholland Drive. We just see... The street sign itself. That is the title of the movie. You never see it like written out in yeah, the yeah. credits. And we get our opening credit sequence. We got the limo. You're, you're getting maybe some I know what you did last summer vibes here. No? No, I'm getting like a really creepy someone's going up to the uh, the overlook, the hotel. Yeah. It just sounds like, I'm not saying it's, it's not a problem that's recycled. It just sounds like a score I heard where, like, somebody was in the... They're going up to the, the One-Eyed Jacks. Like, somebody's going to One-Eyed Jacks. That's what it sounds like to me. It's what it feels it's like. In this, it's yeah, in exactly. The same, it's Angelo Battle of Mentia. Yeah, it's exactly. all in the same sonic Of course, universe. yeah. No, that's what I'm That's what yeah. I'm feeling. That's what I'm getting. And I'm getting a little hard on it at this point. No, I'm telling you. Because I'm like, I'm in it. This is this is what we miss. You, this got, is, you got cars driving at night. You got headlights on a road. Yeah. You got... You're happy. Yeah. If you're watching a Lynch product, yeah. you're pretty happy right now. Yes. Yeah. The gorgeous Laura Lane Herring. Yes. I don't know if you'd ever seen anything. No, never. Don't really have anything else to point you to outside of other one other David Lynch project. But um, backseat of the limo. Mm-hmm. And then I do, do, she's about to get killed by the limo drivers. Yeah. Right. What you're like? And what the hell's going on here? Yeah, you don't know what's what. And then there's an accident. There's the drunk kids that wrecked Yes. yes. Okay. Who, I'm assuming they all died. Yes. And everybody else died but her. And, and she then, stumbles down. 
the hills of Hollywood. She does. Yes. She ends up at an apartment complex. Right. Sneaks her way inside. Goes and to sleep. we have, yes. Right. And we see, uh, very briefly, Mr. Robert Forster, the the late great. Bruh, like, are we? Are you telling me that Bob Forster from that point is supposed to be the Bob Forster that I see in Twin Peaks season three? Like he retires from that job and moves up to Seattle and starts taking over as sheriff there. Is that what you're telling me right now? Um, because he's only in the movie for one minute, and I wrote down. Bob Forrester, cop, fuck yeah, and then I never saw him again. I was so upset. Yeah, he does have uh, one other s- deleted scene that was filmed but not used. What? Uh, it's on the Criterion Blu-ray. Yep. Um, but he he is credited under a different name, so it wouldn't work for the the Truman angle. Okay. But you can think that if you want to. I would like to. Yeah. For some reason, he has to get out of L.A. and change his well, name. We do know Done. that you know. Tulpas and doppelgangers are at play in in this universe, right? Don't even get me started on people from Twin Peaks. Okay. Um, but also in that brief scene with him is uh, great character actor Brent Briscoe, who was also in The Return. Um, yeah, I remember him from that. Yeah. He was investigating the, the body of uh, that ended up being Major Briggs. Spoiler alert yes. for season in case you're wondering where Major Briggs went in season two of Twin Peaks from 1990, whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, brief scene with them. They're like, maybe somebody's missing from this. Yeah. From all of this. So you get, you're like, oh, the police are going to be looking for it, right? Right. They're not really, a, not really a factor. Nope. For the Don't rest really of seem the to care. And never see Robert Forster again. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yes. And that is part of why he was in the return. And also why he said he took it without even hesitating is because he was like, yeah, because, sorry, I I have to, I forget I have Please. to fill you in because I specifically made You're you the source. Research. So the, the spinoff never happens in the Twin Peaks era. Right. It was meant to go basically after season two, but it never happened. Mm-hmm. So late night, post Lost Highway, he's kicking around the idea again, and he pitches, um, ABC, who had uh, peaks before, on a pilot called Mulholland Drive. And he gets to go shoot it. And he goes and shoots it. And there's debate over this, and he would never tell you one way or the other, but the general consensus is he shot... He he knew this was never going to be a series. He shot a movie, essentially. A short film, about an hour worth a movie mm-hmm. that could also double at it could be a pilot if they really wanted to take it or whatever. but essentially he got the money but whatever he cut the deal in the midst of this where he retained the rights to all the footage so basically he knew they wouldn't pick it up because presumably he included some of the content of the movie that you saw huh? right and knew that abc network was never going to show this on television so then they hand it back to him after they pass on it, and he's very popular in Europe. And there's a French distributor that's Studio Canal, Canal Plus now. Mm-hmm. Probably seen them attached to other stuff. And he had a friend in the like French art world that was like, "Oh, David, I think we can like you know get you together with some people who would help you get funds to basically make it into a feature." Mm-hmm. So 
they had already, you know, they had shot like basically an hour worth of content for about seven mil, and then they got another, or maybe five mil, and then they get another seven from um, Studio Canal to turn it into a feature. And he says at the time he had no ideas for like where to take the story. So, and the story was about what? The story was presumably the first chunk of what you see, which is Betty, new, you know, bright eyed, fresh face coming out to LA to visit her aunt and wants to become a star, wants to get into acting. And, you know, what's going to happen to her? Is mm-hmm. it going to be the classic okay. Hollywood yeah. story of turns into a nightmare because i read yeah my big overall take i read this is like he thinks the town of hollywood is complete garbage and it the streets are littered with the bones of people who've never made it and you should never go oh yeah it's i mean it's a very it's and the way we'll get into this but through the adam kesher the the justin thoreau character Mm -hmm. and the whole movie that's being made within the movie yeah. and the way you see the studio system and studio executives portrayed mm-hmm. um yeah it's a very like fuck you very acid tongued like yeah thing towards hollywood of course. And the idea that he did it at least partially with half of the budget coming from the mouse is uh is pretty fucking impressive to me i we need I to I, I do want to mention one more thing real quick Color of Night, a Buena Vista release. Technically, that's a Buena Disney Vista. movie. That is a Disney movie. Yeah. Color of Night, Disney movie. So is Pulp Fiction, if you want to get right down yeah. to it. Yeah. And, like, not an acquired thing. It was a thing at the time that it was a Disney movie. That's what I love. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. And, like, that I get. So, I have to ask a question. Time is not relevant in this movie. I don't need to think of time as a linear thing that I'm watching. Um... It's, I definitely don't think it's important that you do, but what what do you brush up against time wise? Just curious. The big, we could go wherever, dude. I assume people have seen this the movie. Big, if they're listening to this the episode. big thing of like, she was brand new, and then like they were lovers, and then all of a sudden she's with Thoreau, and she wants to have her killed. Mm-hmm. But the opening is wanting to have her killed. So it's the, so time doesn't the o- matter. The opening is wanting to have her killed. Yeah. Right. Because the movie's a loop. Right. It's a loop. Yeah. So time doesn't matter. I mean, it when matters I see things, well, when I see things is not when I see things. It's like no, it's because, like Dunkirk. Okay. You're seeing things at different times at a, different points. Yeah. He would tell you, and I would still encourage you. You take from this whatever the fuck you want to, but I can give you like if you want the this is what it is kind of thing, I can attempt to do that for you. Please. Not that that the flip that you see with the key, the blue key, Pandora's box being open essentially. Everything you see from that point afterwards, mhm. That is reality. Everything you've seen up until that point is a dream but it's all a dream because it's, it's all David, recorded because it's david lynch it's already but been recorded there are a lot of, again huge sport we're the gloves are off yeah. whatever we're an hour and 30 minutes on this episode. okay so that makes sense well, that makes that so that okay so the real story here is diane young starlet 
comes to Hollywood. Right. Meets a fellow female actress. They fall in love. They're probably both going out for a lot of the same parts. Right. Okay. One starts to surpass the other in terms of success. They have this this romance together. She thinks it's beautiful or whatever. But the other one hey, says we should stop. I gotta do this for my career. Maybe. Again, I'm putting all none of this is explicit. No, I'm no, putting I'm, this, t- I'm just giving you a, a way to Hey, I'm taking it I'm taking it as the gospel, brother. A way to look I get at it. it okay? No, no, I get it. If but that's she, the switch, then yeah, everything go, that comes after that. She she falls in with the director. She like yeah. she's the favorite now, etc. Their relationship sours. Mm-hmm. They're gonna get married. She can't take it. She's a jealous lover. She decides to have her killed. Okay. So she is having this like guilt-ridden fever dream, if you will, where she imagines the good version of what could have happened. To her. Right. She comes here. She's a huge success. She makes all the right connections. And who is Rita in this case in the right. dream or whatever? Who is she in this incarnation? Well, she's an amnesiac who doesn't know who she is, and she's completely dependent right. on her. She yeah. has all the power in the relationship. Exactly. Yeah, no. I. Yeah. That, every- so, yeah, that, but it just, he just presented literally, it to you li- literally, in a little bit of a different way. And that's perfectly that's fine. If there had been a thing on that thing that says <laughs> the blue box might hold the key to dreams and... Re- the blue box is it a dream or is it actually reality i would have figured that out because i get that like everything after that if i'm told i can take everything before that and be like this is real and this shit i'm seeing at the end is a dream See, doesn't that's, matter that's that that to me is the the yeah, kind of I one get of it. the that's brilliant the beauty things, of though, the fucking thing now you would you would sit there and normally and the way i watched it for the first several times was oh and then pandora's box gets open and shit gets really weird but what you never sit to stop to think about is like... What if Pandora's no. box was already opened? Yes. And this what is closing it back. Yeah. What you're really do- doing is like, no, you need to almost watch the movie in reverse chronological order. If you, But it doesn't play the same because it has like a completely different emotional trajectory. Because you're still seeing... You're still seeing the narrative in straightforward fashion. In as much as she arrives there's she's fresh faced she has this like great steamy relationship with her and then it starts to get darker and it sours as it gets to the midpoint before we it's it's beautifully structured and it's brilliant it's at first glance though it's it feels very off putting and like and that's why most people will approach it and why it's still totally valid to be like it's it's a dream it's dream logic we move from one scene however we but, want well to, the big thing there's... that the big thing that that threw me is when they go into that lady's house yes diane they, selwyn's house yeah yes and they find her dead yes but she doesn't look like either one of them to me looks yes. like a completely different woman right and it is who knows <laughs> because if why, you, why is why is uh coco the woman who runs the hotel why is she the runner of the hotel and then also thoreau's mom why is cookie um the hotel manager in a shady part of town and the presenter at club silencio like 
You know who Cookie is. We've discussed this, right? It's, he's uh The skull. The man apart, right? The skull. A man apart, right? And yeah, and a man apart. But he is the fuck he's the skull. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, badass man. The skull. The guy who shoots Tony Montana in the back. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. The skull. He's got the, he's got the glasses. He's just always standing there for fucking sunshades on. Yeah. I I was you know who else I was happy to see? Mateo from Anaconda. For the two seconds he was there to oh, get yeah. shot in the face. God damn. That was actually... The, dude, tell me you didn't love that sequence. That was probably that the one I was just like... comedy. Yes. Pure genius And I was like, this doesn't... Escalating This beat. doesn't even matter. You could not even have this scene, but it's there. That I appreciated. And I loved it. <laughs> it was great. It sets you up to tell you exactly who this, this dude is. And, okay, who the fuck is the cowboy? Wait a minute, no, that would have been in the dream part, so that doesn't matter. It's all irrelevant. It all matters, No, it doesn't. No, 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 no. Don't be like that. No, 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 it does No, I'm saying it doesn't matter to me to try and parse it out and figure out what it actually means. Right. I mean, obviously... I was just giving you a a structural way to to look at it. Yeah, and if you just... With all of the other elements, here's where we get into your Twin Peaks to Return territory. Your fireman versus Judy or Jaude. Your, your good and evil entities, your people who move between these liminal spaces, places like the Black Lodge, which I would make a case to you here, that Club Silencio is one such place. This kind Are of, you kidding me? Of course. It looks just like it. Exactly. Fucking it's, stage red. Yeah, exactly. of course. This kind of in-between place where these different entities gather, and we know we, know we have the evil entities. What do they like to feed on? Carmen Boja, pain and suffering. Yes. Cream corn, right? Right. Old people eat a lot of cream corn. I'm just saying, okay? Who's going through a lot of pain and suffering by the end of this? Diane. Right. Or Betty, or whoever Naomi wants. Yeah. Who We got to talk about performances in a bit, but... Bro, the fucking acting scene... We gotta talk about that audition. Please tell me she did not. She like got nominated for everything. I mean, she won a bunch of awards from like little tiny outlets, but she did not get the actress nomination. I'm sorry, dude. That is this this movie. But this movie, she was literally she's about to quit Hollywood. She had had like terrible experiences, just rejection after rejection. She tells this story. Literally, watched her tell it, and it's in the trivia as well. But she says she literally was like. Driving on Mulholland Drive and like, oh, I almost feel like I should like, you know, take this thing off a cliff right now. And later that day she gets called that, oh, you, your agent tells her like, oh, you have a meeting with David Lynch. And she goes in and meets with him and like within five, ten minutes of meeting him, just like his whole demeanor and everything. She was like, I've never felt like so seen and heard. And like he was actually like engaging with me. It wasn't just like a. He wanted to talk to me. It wasn't like, here's an audition or mm-hmm. here's something to read. It was just he wanted to meet me as a person or whatever. Anyways, ends up getting the role, does the does the TV pilot mm-hmm. that they filmed in 99, doesn't know if it's going to go, doesn't know that it's going to turn into a movie or whatever, and is debating just like, oh, God, I just got to fucking give it up. And apparently good friend Nicole Kidman, fellow Australian, talks her into staying for just a few more months then they end up getting the funding they finish the movie the movie comes out critically and in some circles like she at least gets a huge bump 
And what does she do the next year? The Ring. The Ring, which sets her up to be a movie star f- for forever, basically. Yeah. Like she she has she has enough name recognition from that point forward to like she'll she can work forever. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like I put this it, was listen, her first like thing where listen. people were like, "Who the fuck is that?" No, yes. that sequence of her doing the acting. It is like it's that, and it's everything Leo was doing as an actor in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Whether it's freaking out on himself, Hollywood, but yeah, the well, yeah, well like that or like the TV they shot is is it? That's not Lancer, is it? Lancer's the TV show. Yeah. yeah. Is it Lancer? Is it real life? That's like everything on board with that. Like just what, like having watched her do it with, um, that's what's so with, genius yeah. about it. The, the setup of her and Rita rehearsing it and, and it's the way she whatever. plays it. And she just jokes about it. Like it's it nothing. The and then like she goes and turns it on. And I'm like, that is again, like, boom. This okay. Is, this is like calibration of performance. And also something I feel like you get more and more out of when you go back to it. Like, when it first starts and she's like, she's so broad and so wide-eyed and, she, you know, they're like, good luck in, I guess it is just a random couple that she meets. But, but they're but, like, but, good, good luck, Betty. And she's like, okay, Irene. Like, it's very broad. And you're if like, if they're her grandparents, is, they're her dad's grandparents that she yeah. doesn't know. And she calls them by their first name. Just saying. No, I think it's some people she met, like you said. But are just those? Like, just, but didn't you say that they take their own cab and they leave? Yeah. But like, and they look. They just, there's but, that lingering but our, shot of them in the limo, dude. It's so fucking creepy. But okay. yeah, it makes you believe that like anybody that gets a limo is going to get killed in Los Angeles. Well, yeah, and they echo the same shot as the opening you just saw, like where they pan up to the through the drivers, yeah, like through the partition, and you're like. What? And then, of course, we move away from that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? And you, but you never see him again, so you're like, what the fuck? Until the very end of the movie. Right. Yeah. Cause... Because, I, again, I was going to make the case that perhaps they are some entities that like to feed on pain and suffering. That's why they come after her at the end when she's at her absolute lowest point. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's knows she's asked to have her former love killed but it didn't go right that's why this is an infinite loop it's like a donnie darko sort of situation where you can ask me well why if this then why not this but it doesn't matter you know what i'm saying but it would leave her in a position it's, it's clean right but it, it leaves her yeah but it leaves her in a position that like if at that point the opening of the movie where the, the hit on her ex-lover goes wrong right that like anything's possible towards the end of this she could come back not know who she is and the fantasy she's just lived out of like the fever dream fantasy of where she's completely dependent that could happen and it would explain why every time justin Theroux has looked at her slash the other actress lady they're like wait a minute because for the longest time i thought camilla whatever camilla Rhodes, wrote yeah. yeah i thought that was her right the, yeah it's like it's very it's not it's not fleshed out to me that Camilla Rhodes is another person. I thought the woman who I was watching that was an amnesia, I thought that was Camilla Rhodes until you actually see her singing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So and she and that Camilla Rhodes is the one that the, what we assume are um, crime figures of some kind, um, presumably like mob. The, when Dan Hedaya shows up, he's like, this is the girl. This yeah. is the girl. Yeah. Dude, that, like that whole boardroom scene. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, 
Angelo Badalamenti doing the the espresso. Yeah. And then spitting it back up. It's mm-hmm. just are you like that's where I was like those are the bits that like you would really only appreciate having watched Twin Peaks where you see like his brand of comedy which I yes, figured no, you would I'd enjoy love. like that I, yeah. I hope you were dying at that shit of course where Justin Thoreau was just like what is going, going on here and I, you're like dude I don't know I fucking love that he comes home and finds his wife in bed with fucking Billy Ray Cyrus of gonna, all fucking people I knew you were gonna lose your shit and I, I love that like the <laughs> next scene is literally the the big guy from Angels in the Outfield being like uh, Adam Kusher. One, one of the biggest Adam laughs Kusher? ever is when she, <laughs> when she hops on his back, then he comes, in, "Hey, buddy!" and boom, like he decks Billy, Billy Ray Cyrus immediately. And he just punches her off of his back, fixes his suit, and then continues exploring the house and says, "Adam Kusher." It the delivery, the pacing of all of that is hysterical. Yes, it is so funny, and again, that's the beauty of Lynch. There is so much comedy in the first, especially in the first chunk of this. Now, it, yeah. it takes, there's there's very little levity in the last, like, hour of this movie. No. But it's genuine, like, those are huge laughs, and that's why I will, we go back to this, like, all the time. And some of the just sheer weirdness early on, like, when you see those boardroom scenes and all of a sudden we cut away to uh, Michael J. Anderson, the you know, don't know uh-uh. the evolution of the arms sitting mm-hmm. in the chair and all of that. Nope, yeah. we're not talking about him. Okay, the st- I the if if he had made his voice in like he is in Twin Peaks, <laughs> right. I would have I'd have shut the movie off right there. <laughs> Done. I'm not no. Gotcha. But I love that it's like that's who's running Hollywood. Yeah, that's it. It's like. You know, some dude in a two-way mirrored room. Like, yeah. I love his like his guard in the background with the stash, who just like just standing there, yeah, motionlessly. Yeah, um, shut it down. Yeah, shut, shut it all. Down. Shut it all down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I love that Justin throws like, I'm gonna fucking put paint on all of her goddamn jewelry. I love that. Like, that's his, the his only thing. Reaction. The only thing he does. Yes, because we and all know, immediately gets decked out. No, yeah. because we all know in real life we've all seen the leftovers. Justin Thoreau would wipe the floor with Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, one hundred any fucking day yes. of the week. Uh, he would take that horse all down Old Town Road, <laughs> riding all over his face. Yes. Because and that's one of the things I was like, I got into this. And I was like, why? I okay. There's so many people in here I know and I like. Why didn't I watch this yet? Is this something to do with what? And I was like, okay. And then I never put two and two together. And I'm watching it. And maybe I just shouldn't have read the, the 10 things to be looking out for. Maybe I, I should just sit back and just watch it happen. Because honestly, I was like, oh, he said don't look at anything. He didn't say I couldn't use the cutout in here. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to oh, get gotcha. him. I'm going to get him on the first try. I'm going to read all these things. I'm going to get this thriller. I'm going to understand it. And instead, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? But I get it now. It's on the loop. It's just Pandora's box in the loop. Like, it's that. It's very simple, and I understand it. It's the same. Dude, like, when I watched Lost Highway for the first time, I was like, oh, it's this, like, I, how could I ever wrap my brain around it? And then it's like, you watch it three or four times, and you're like, Oh, I get it. He just doesn't tell. He doesn't tell stories like anybody else. That's all it is. Yeah. It's still, and he relies way more on mood and ambiance, and, and visual Andrew, and, and visual and, storytelling and, and, and battle, battle of Then yeah, yeah. Then 
outright dialogue or just like constantly holding your hand the whole time. And that's part of what I love about him. That's like increasingly. That's why I think when he comes into the return and he's like explaining it to you, Agent Philip Jeffries, who is yeah. <laughs> isn't alive anymore, yeah. like is somehow still alive, whatever. Like how loud Gordon is giving you this exposition, I think is hilarious. Yeah, you know, and it works completely. Yeah, I gotta watch the return again. You really should. Yeah, we're about to do Firewalk after we finish Mulholland. We were like, yeah, I kind of want to do Firewalk with me again, and then uh, she has never made it all the way through Inland Empire, which is the, in a lot of ways. Even though I'm I'm harping on like the Twin Peaks connections here, but Lost Highway, Mulholland, and Inland Empire, even though they were kind of like years apart, are very much um, kind of like a little mini trilogy almost mm-hmm. about Los Angeles. Um, Inland Empire being the darkest and most unapproachable, I would say. I would say it's his like. Yeah, least approachable movie in his in his entire filmography, and that's Laura Dern and, probably, and Justin Theroux. I'll probably love it, dude. It's fucking great. <laughs> I'll probably love Udo it. Kier is in that shit. Grace Zabriskie, Laura Palmer's mom, like tons of cameos from all sorts of people you know in his orbit. Um, and it's weird as fuck. It's also three hours long, and it's shot on DV. That's what I remember about it. Yeah, you know some creepy shit with the digital video um yeah maybe i'll keep that one in my back pocket for another maybe time. but uh okay i feel so, better now so thoreau goes to a shithole motel where he's apparently holes up every once in a while because he clearly knows cookie and he gets a call from his assistant that he needs to go meet the cowboy yeah oh jason said i should go meet the cowboy should I bring my six shooter my 10 gallon hat um I mean, what'd you think of the scene with the cowboy dude? I this mean, this is one of one of mine and Veronica's favorite moments in the entire movie. She will often say to me, "Now, if you do good, you see me one more time. If you do bad, you see me two more times." I I think I flipped it, or maybe I did it wrong. No, it's right. If yeah. you see him, because he's gonna come back and tell you you fucked up, and then he's gonna come back and kill you. But if you yeah. see him one more time, he's just going to tell you, hey, great, great job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what to make of it at all. Man's life goes some ways sometimes. Would you agree? <laughs> um, apparently, could not remember any of his lines. And Justin Throw literally, like, that guy's not an actor. His name's Monty Montgomery. He's just a friend of David Lynch's. Um, and, could not remember any of his lines. Justin Thoreau literally had to like hold them on his chest and shit to like help with the scene at different points. Um, and it's one you hear that story or whatever, and I'm like, I would have never known because it just seems like the most pitch perfect performance for like he still got exactly what he wanted from from that guy, that energy. Yeah, because he heard but, that guy say a sentence one way at a party one time and was like, "Yep, that's it. That's where it came from. That's my guy. It doesn't matter. That's where it came from." He'll never tell you otherwise, so that's what happened. So, I guess we should get back to Betty and Rita. But, again, she finds her in her aunt's apartment. Takes it, remark like, doesn't scream, doesn't freak out or anything when she finds her naked in the shower. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> like, uh, that 
in and of itself is almost kind of unsettling because you're like in any other movie there would have been the big, big scream as the reaction but no we just pan over and we see the like naked silhouette of her in the shower it's almost more like whoa because because it's not played well, as a big yeah movie. but we you know, know I, mean? I mean but we know she's in there already we do but i'm just talking about literally that shot and yeah the way he shoots some of these interiors and echo shit dude we're we gotta talk about Winkies. No, we don't. We gotta talk about Winkies. It's like the third scene in the movie. We just completely just breeze right over it. We're good. Is that in isolation not one of the most A, perfect, but B, deeply unsettling scenes you've ever seen, but specifically scenes in broad fucking daylight? Yeah. Have you ever seen a scarier sequence of events in broad daylight in a movie other than like Michael Myers in the at the laundry in the original or something or like by the hedge I mean a daytime scare that is as bone chilling as as the winky sequence I'm gonna say yes but you can't tell because they're in the Arctic and he didn't re- he didn't leave his lights on when he left. That would be <laughs> okay. Yeah, the thing. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, yeah it could be day. Who knows? Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that is the equivalent of like. That's the equivalent of like, I'm just thinking of episode enders of something of like. What's her face looking up from the hospital bed and seeing Bob just like <laughs> like laughing. Whatever he does with the audio and just the... It's, it's so much about the it's, sound. It's un-fucking like, so settling. there's a new... I mean, there's another, like, new sound mix on the Criterion Blu-ray. And, like, Veronica and I had it cranked on the soundboard. And it's so evident. And, like, that... Everything about how he shoots that sequence. The dialogue between the two of them. The, the moment when it's, like... He's describing the dream. And he's like, you're standing right over there. And then they show you the shot of him looking over his shoulder. He's, he's not there. And then building to the moment of like, but now he is there. Now you're in. Now the only difference is in the dream you said the light was different, but now he's in the same position. And Battlementi's score just slowly creeps in, mm-hmm. and it's just this like deafening, like ambient texture, or whatever. And it just feels like doom. You're just like, what? You don't have to walk back there, my friend. Exactly. No one's forcing and you to. Everything from the moment he gets up from that booth. The pacing of walking back there, the angle of that, like, we know there's a corner there. We don't, we really don't want to see what's behind it. No. We don't want him to keep walking. No. But he is, and it's like, this is, well, this is not the first time we use POV, but, like, there's a lot of POV in this movie. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's so unsettling, and you're getting this, like, ambient textural swirl of like whatever and just like doom building and then when you finally see what is behind there the the pace at which it moves out is like not like anything you'd expect in a movie the actual visual itself is not like anything you expect but again the sound drops out immediately as um Patrick oh my god Fischler I think I think his name is Patrick Fischler. The guy who's walking? Yes. Yeah. The guy who's describing the dream, the one who's freaked out about it and everything. Um, When he collapses, when he faints, the the sound, like, drops out with him. 
and it's such a like interesting choice and it's that much more powerful because you've had this like crazy swirl of sound mix building up to it that when he does drop it out it's like that it's it's the inverse of like a and I, I shrill a scream all that it's the inverse of like a carpenter scare where it's a stinger where you like the the music drives up for the scare yeah this is like he's the sound active, no he's drives active, up no, and he's, then pulls out yeah no he's actively it's fucking just, with your brain yeah. to make it remember and like last and be more jarring because it's like every ounce every micro bit on a cellular level of your body is expecting a shrill a scream a musical note even before this we were already pre predetermined to know this from the 80s and 90s horror movies and even now we're programmed for that even worse with music cues it's just taking that away from you and so when the time you're like expecting to you're on edge because you're waiting for that to come and it never does and what you're forced to do then is watch and see and really it's just a homeless person that's gonna haven't showered but he's already told you he never wants to see that face again you want to unpack that why maybe at one point that dude was a fucking starving artist and he knows that one wrong move he's gonna be that guy behind winkies with the fucked up face Who's homeless? It's also very soot covered, right? Right. Yeah. Like what's that, uh, what's that remind you of? Got a light. Yeah, of the the woodsman, the lodgeman, which are also in which Jurgen Proc now plays in the in Fire Walk with Me. Like right. You know. So maybe they're an, just, so he is an interdimensional being that feeds on. You do see him. He, he's the one who picks up Pandora's box and puts it back into the bag at the end. And he's the one who lets the the two little entities of um, Irene and whatever the old other old guy's name is, like, out of the bag, essentially, and they end up crawling under Diane's door, popping up to real life size, and then, hey, and the way they're coming at her is so much like Bob when he would, like, chase you around, mm-hmm. where it's just, like... He's a weird tr- stop motion, but not really stop motion. Yeah, and just the constant laughter and, like, yeah, just... Super unsettling, but that th- these are the connections where I'm like, you know, there's you can you can bring all this other sort of stuff into it. Is it you know, is it just these entities trying to feed over? Is one of them trying to take her over? Is the switch we see that like really Betty's been taken over by something, and that's right. how she morphs into Diane, or um, she's being primed to be taken over, much like Laura. Palmer was for instance mm-hmm. and instead dies in the process where in this case spoiler alert for the very end of the movie kills herself right which is telegraphed in the opening which you're so like probably disoriented by what's going on you don't even notice but like right after the jitterbug sequence mm-hmm. we're into a POV shot mm-hmm. and it's in her bedroom mm-hmm. that you'll eventually see and she's just kind of like moving sl- slowly across right. and then you see it go face first into the pillow mm-hmm. almost like it's going to sleep like you're going into a dream state hmm. and then then the rest of the movie starts it's I mean, again it's alright so from now on if we cover any of these I just gotta watch it once or twice I really think in most cases this one in particular I mean most fan wise this is generally agreed upon to be 
maybe the masterpiece. Some people will fight you and say Blue Velvet, maybe a little bit, give it the edge. Some people will just say no, the entirety of Twin Peaks. But it's like, if, if you got to pick a movie, though, Dude. most people are either like Eraserhead, uh, Mulholland, or Blue Velvet. Not a lot of Dune fans? Um, no, not a lot. It has its defenders. Um, I love them all, but I'm a Mul- I'm a Mulholland guy. This was an early one that got me into him. And we didn't even really talk about any of the... I mean, we got plenty of other stuff to talk about, but we didn't really talk about any of the actual eroticism in this. I I personally think the lesbian sex scene in here, slash lovemaking scene, really, because it is good. It is real. It's a doomed love story at the end of the day. This yeah. one, like, really nails that. And then, like, you know, it goes to some very dark places. But, um, yeah, what did you think of the actual eroticism? Because truth be told, like... The first reasons I this was on like stars or something when we were younger, and I was just like, Oh, Naomi Watts, like she's attractive. And I was like, Oh, there's like this is rated R for nudity or whatever. And then would like try and wait for that sequence. And you know, not watching the movie with any like, I don't even think Pre- I, I don't even think I knew who Lynch was, right? At that point, I, I maybe had seen like Elephant Man like on Turner Classic or something, know, but didn't yeah. know who Lynch was, right. But yeah, Mulholland was very early on in my discovery of him. Um, but yeah. The first one, there's a lot to be, and I think that's the big difference if we're going to argue about, there's a, Color of Night is just like, we're fucking, it's over the top. You hear that, you hear that score change? We're doing this. Right. Very almost soft core, but not really. This is like, the subtlety of it, of like, where the it begins and how things move along are probably the best parts of it. That just like they've gone out, they've had a long day. How I'm sorry, I shouldn't oh, yeah, have, I yeah. shouldn't have made you sleep on the the, they, the couch. It's okay, just hop in here and get a good night's sleep. Oh, oh, okay. And then just bam, she's naked. And you're like, wait a minute. And their their day, to be specific, she's gone on her audition. Mm-hmm. And she fucking crushed by the yes. way um like the best acting any of these people in this room have ever seen or will ever see mm-hmm. she gets introduced to adam kesher mm-hmm. um or she's about to be right but yeah. she gets pulled away because hey i had plans with rita we gotta go check out diane selwyn's place right this sequence mm-hmm. fucking terrifying yeah again broad daylight now when they get into this apartment it's dank as shit and it's like creepy and mm-hmm. it's got vibes but the bulk of this action like is all in broad daylight in this apartment complex. the way he shoots this apartment complex though in the like kind of you know tree covered areas mm-hmm. and pathways is so I, i'm just but it's everything working together it's the soundscape mm-hmm. it's the like color correct you know the way it was shot, it, I'm just, what I'm all constantly amazed about is, again, I've seen this movie like upwards of 20 times. I still, like, I know how the shots are going to play out. I know where the beats are, and I just can't, like, it. I'm still right back in the same place every time I watch it. I think that's why it's stuck with me for so long. But yeah, so they go in, they discover this horrible looking body, but they're not supposed to be there, so they they bail out and there's the whole tension of like the neighbor who's like oh i'll come over there with you and it's like oh okay. and then she gets called away but 
just mm-hmm. come back and you're just like, oh my god, dude, like fucking get out of there. Yeah. In the same way that, in a, a much more comical way, earlier with the the hitman, you're like, dude, get out of there, <laughs> like leave, fucking something leave. bit me, yeah. something. Yeah. I love he's just like, hey man, she's hurt real bad. Uh, you gotta come in here, man. I can't do this by myself. <laughs> like, oh, great scene. I love that it's all because he's trying to stage him as like. Oh, he shot him. <laughs> yeah. The perfectly preserved, like, string of hair of where it went through. I don't know if you caught that detail. Yeah. It reminds me, you've seen Lost Highway, right? No. Oh, okay. Not enough There's to be able to... There's an insane death at the end of, towards the end of Lost Highway, which is just, like, one of the most, like, gruesome, but, like, artistic-looking things you've ever seen, where basically a guy gets his forehead bifurcated by a glass table. Hmm. Um, but this way, not this way. Yeah. This way. Ooh. Um, you gotta see it. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> Anyways, that shot reminds me of that. So, anyways, she had her audition. They go to Diane's. Creepy shit. She's dead. They don't quite know what to make of it, but they're bonded together at this point. Their relationship's growing, so they they have they have some sex basically, mm-hmm. and it's very tasteful. Yeah, considering, but it is erotic. Yeah, I think, again, the score is going a long way here as well. And unfortunately, it's very short lived because as they're laying there post coitus, she starts saying silencio in her sleep, and you're like, "What the fuck is going <laughs> yeah. on?" Right? And you're like. Okay, this is unsettling. She sounds like she has a different accent almost now. Like, who is this person? Like, what the hell is going on? Um, and they, well, excuse me, they disguise her initially. They're like, oh, yeah, we've got to hide your identity because people might be looking for you. So we'll make you look kind of like me, but not really. Right. Almost like you're a weird imitation of me. Almost like you're putting on a character, just like all these echoes of acting and performance and like people mm-hmm. being becoming different people right. quite literally and figuratively so they head out to club silencio another one the intro shot to this the friggin parking lot alleyway with no cars in it and yeah. just like paper and it's bathed in blue light and it's just ominous as fuck and you're like why why the hell would you ever go in here why what are we doing here right now i don't want to go i don't want to see what's in here i don't want to no, go not at all i don't want to go in and I think when you do go in, you're like, oh, this no eye banda guy is pretty intense, but yeah. uh, but this didn't this isn't quite as dark as I saw it. Now, when they first enter, do you see who's on the on the right here when they're coming down the aisle? Two ladies you might recognize: Ronette Pulaski, really, and Laura Palmer, really sitting right next to each other. Holy it's not shit. even hidden. Now I had I had to have this pointed out for me. I never noticed it in all these other times. I had heard about it in the interim before I watched it this time. Forgot to look for them. We finished the whole movie, <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I was supposed to fucking look for that this time." So of course, there's no chapter breaks on any David Lynch movie. Yeah, you got to watch much. all as one. So I of course I'm on there like furiously, like fast forwarding. 
to get to there. But I found the shot, and it is not like subtle at all if you're looking for it, which, of course, the first time you wouldn't be because you're following them. You're not looking at the peripheral. But seated in that audience is Laura Palmer and Ronette Pulaski. Wow. And you're like, it's, it's got to be all connected, right? Like, come on. Which, if you want to take it there, Janie E in the return, like, maybe she, maybe Diane, like, she didn't end up killing herself or Betty, but she did kind of burn out and she moved to Vegas instead and married this, this insurance guy, married Dougie. Yeah. That did totally work. And she's also related to, uh, that Diane. Laura Dern's Diane from the Twin Peaks universe, oh, who shit. is the sister, right? Stepsister? Yeah. She's sisters with Diane and Janie E are yeah. siblings. I know, dude. It's just, it's a, yeah. When you start forming it all together, it's like Mulholland is kind of like the missing, it's like the what could have been, which is why his new one for Netflix, which is supposedly titled Wisteria. That's the working title. But we're pretty sure Kyle McLaughlin's involved. Good. Almost positive. There's been some other teasers as well from people in the Twin Peaks first, but part of me desperately hopes that it is Mulholland Drive, the TV show, and theoretically uh, Richard and Linda, any of the the other alt versions of people that we've seen in the Twin Peaks first, especially now that we've established that like Cooper has essentially been four different principal characters. Like why not have a whole new show? That's not called Twin Peaks that has like still has Kyle McLaughlin and can somehow connect to, to all of this. But I, I, what I really hope the new thing is, is a return to the Mulholland drivers. I want him to go, to LA exclusively because we didn't get any LA in Twin Peaks The Return yeah we didn't you're right yeah no we were New York Buckhorn (laughs) Twin Peaks Vegas and uh, was it Argentina very briefly to get like shots of um, whatever the hell was going on with the Philip Jeffries related stuff I don't know where all that was god I need to go back We've done it, we, Veronica and I have gone through three times now, but we do it, it's kind of like a tradition now, we do it pretty much once a year, so we might squeeze it in. Um, any, oh yeah, so Club Silencio, you get the whole, which seemed like that was kind of your, your read on it initially, right? What? The whole like, no eye banda, this is all over, this has all been a recording. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's again just kind of an echo of like the nature of performance and like these layers. Of yeah, reality you know what I'm and, saying. Like, that's like nothing that you nothing that you've seen in yeah. this movie. It's not. It's not real. Yeah, it's basically telling you like, and that's that's when the reality is firmly starting to break for them. Right. Is yeah. No. In that again, moment. once we once you just established for yeah. me that what the blue box was, it's all falling into place, and I get it. I do want to watch it again just to fill in the gaps myself because I know there's things Absolutely. I missed already but like and we've pretty much covered where we end at so there yeah. I mean there's the super dark section of course of like when you do get the flip and you see what's become of their relationship right the sad masturbation scene you get the dinner scene with wild the like again all of this stuff 
the the range of performance from where we start with Naomi Watts to where she ends up this is one of those showcases where I'm just like she's literally showing you everything <laughs> like every single human emotion every different possible version of a line reading you could ever want like what a fantastic showcase for an actor and she talks about and some of the behind the scenes stuff of just like there was times when she thought am i giving the worst performance of all time like hmm. is is this terrible or is this exactly what he wants and what he needs in the moment and like she said she just kind of had to at a certain point she just trusted him that like he was not going to make me look stupid it was all going to like come together and make sense and it's like again it feels like you pretty much got that from one viewing but it her performance just like ages like a fine wine oh, every yeah, time i go back slays. to it it's just yeah it's a goddamn shame she didn't get best actress and a shame that this was not nominated for best picture and a shame that he didn't win best director i absolutely love it again it high so rewatchable for me and i totally get why some people would not want to like go back to this with any kind of regularity because mm-hmm. it's dark and it's twisted and it's like it's an intense viewing experience for portions of it but i just love it it's one of the, it's a great way to make a movie that you want to watch over and over again just make a movie with no bad scenes yeah like there's not a there's not there's nothing to skip over in here every time something comes up it's like oh shit yeah we're about to get to this like that's that's and how it is every time just, watching it you and know make it with no chapters and it'll exactly. be another reason force why people to do it. yeah i don't know about you two hours and 27 minutes doesn't feel like it to me this is one of those that i mean no. you get lost in it and there's times where i would say maybe it feels even longer than that but i am always remarkably shocked how quickly we get to silencio which is kind of when everything i mean that's the start of the third act essentially yeah yeah that's where everything turns so yeah again color of night was 220 the director's cut Mm -hmm. and i agree if we're if we're arguing coherence maybe mullen's not the one to bring up but for what is communicated in the sheer economy of like storytelling across that and the actual pacing of like I'm never bored by Mulholland. There, even in his slow, methodical dialogue right. scenes, he's just for me. He's just like drawing you in the whole time. All right. Anyways, I loved revisiting it. I'm glad I could at least make you dip your toe in for the first time. I hope you will check it out again. Yeah. No, I've got your DVD. I'll um, watch it again. And I definitely think I will incorporate some more Lynch into Two by Two at some point because who knows when we're ever going to get to to Bay of Lynch. So why not? just start throwing them in here yeah it's all good okay uh we will be back very very soon with uh basically a giant recap of the last month of our watching hopefully gavin will have seen Candyman by then we're, anyways we're going to do some recent recap and then we are basically going to go in the studio and start banking up october content because right. it's just one month but away, we baby. will give you our two by two for the month of september when we see you again in september yes so. We and we don't know what that's going to be or what the theme is going to be. If we decide on it and do a vote, that will be on Instagram yes. at the Arc of E Network. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Arc of E. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, etc., email us the of E at gmail.com. Oh, and we do have a Facebook as well, which Gavin I think still has access. Sometimes to. makes posts on, uh, but mostly doesn't. Yeah, uh, so you can check us out there. Uh, again, one last plug for my shameless plug for myself. 
Uh, my new EP, Builder EP, is available on all your major music platforms, except for Tidal. What's up with that, Jay-Z? I, I'd like to know. I have a personal complaint. I don't know why I can't be on your service. Whatever. We're everywhere else. Everywhere else that counts. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, please go check it out. That um, I, I perform under the name NARC. That's lowercase n, capital A-R-K. And uh, go, go give it a shot if you, uh, if you enjoy electronic music, ambient music, etc. Um, anything else for this? No, that's enjoyed uh, it uh, again. Uh, quite the quite the gamut of quality to me on this episode, um, and I'm glad through just a little bit of convo. It seems like you you actually did enjoy Mulholland. No, I did. That's the thing. Did. I did. I'm just in the moment. I'm just like, what the fuck do I? What am I got doing? It. You just gotta give yourself over to it, man. I'm. Uh, well, I tell say, you, it's like I haven't. I, the only reason I'm talking to you like this with some of this stuff is is literally, but just because I've seen it so many times and every time i kind of like kind of hone in on my theory but that's the beauty of it baby is there you don't have to have one you just let it wash over you don't have there doesn't have to be some grand answer it doesn't all have to connect it's just the vibe and the mood that you're feeling at the time man it's one of the moodiest movies fucking ever right i mean yeah i could see that it's i just it coming from it's Coming from not knowing so much and having to have it explained, I don't know if watching it without any sort of context or knowing any sort Because if you'd have told me, like, yeah, this was going to be, this is basically Twin Peaks that never got made. See, and that's, I didn't want to say anything because, A, I didn't want to, like, put you too far in that direction. But I also was kind of like, well, he'll realize that, like, there's a lot of Twin Peaks-ish vibes. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I so, got that. Yeah. But I was just like... If I knew that that's where it was headed, I wouldn't have asked the question of, oh, he's just doing, he just made this because they canceled the show on him without letting him finish back in the 90s. So this is his way of getting back at everybody. But knowing that, like, this was a gestating thing that took place over several years and this is what he wanted to do in the backstory, that's perfectly fine. And it makes sense and it makes, you know, I've said it plenty of times before, you know this. The making and the backstory and how something came together is just as equally important for me when it comes to appreciating a movie that I'm going to talk about. I definitely want you to see the behind the scenes that's on this Criterion Blu-ray, which is literally just like on-set footage of him directing. Everybody looks like they're having the best time. Yeah, probably. And you're just like, it's so weird that like this is the vibe on set. And this is the finished product. Like everybody's smiling and happy and just like, we love making movies. And he's chippers fuck and like smiling as they're performing and shit. And then you're just like, you watch the movies and you're like, oh my God, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah where does this it, come from? Well, it's probably because they don't show you when they're like, he so it's cut and everybody looks at you. They're like, yeah, yeah. They won't know about this one. Will they? <laughs> nobody will fucking get this. Will they click? <laughs> All right, cut it. Let's do this next scene that nobody will fucking understand. It's there's like there. There's a great story, and this is one I'll leave you with. I think it's a great metaphor for our whole conversation, actually. So Justin Thoreau meets him for the first time on this movie, obviously, and they work together again on Inland Empire. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. So Justin Thoreau's looking at the script, and he's reading through there, and he's like, "So David, this this scene with the cowboy, he says, if I do good." I'll see him one more time. 
And if I do bad, I'll see him two more times. David, is there an, is there another scene with me and the cowboy? I mean, am I gonna is you know is Kesher gonna meet the cowboy again? And David Lynch says to him, "Well, Justin, I don't know. We're gonna find out together." <laughs> oh my god I think that's it right there man he just he's just figuring it out as he goes too there's a there's an out outline a blueprint there's visions in his head but that's that's one of the other amazing things I see anytime I see him like direct I'm like some of this stuff is off the cuff you'll see like in Twin Peaks to return and he's like oh let's try this setup over here let me try this different angle let me give you this different line reading like you're like holy shit dude like it is he creates a canvas and then the the playing around the you know the different takes that's all the different brush strokes but sometimes it's multiple layers that go on there and everything but he just and, and he's that's a fucking artist man he's just a fucking artist man I love him to death literally nobody else like that man on the planet not even close um, agreed yeah so uh, until next time where we'll be back with a uh, a long, long overdue, long overdue what we've been watching. Indeed. And at the end of that, we will let you know what our next 2x2 two two is going to be for September. And then we will start teasing uh, October 2021. And we had quite the bummer uh, October 2020 last year, yeah, as you may remember. That is not going to happen and again And we refuse year. to let that happen this year. So we will be doing our darndest to... Uh, get you some awesome horror related content for the month but until next time i have been noah and i have been gavin and we've been the blanchard brothers thanks for listening silencio I just love that it's fucking it's Dan Hedaya who in my head is like dude it's fucking Dan Hedaya but like he comes in to say like three lines like those are the girl those are the, the girl he screams or they bring the espresso but they didn't bring his order and he just screams coffee hello <laughs> napkin oh. yeah I'm sorry what napkin <laughs> just he knows it's gonna I, be shit I didn't know this until that till watching it this time that that is Angelo Battle of Minty. Me neither. Com- yeah. I didn't the composer you just said it. No, dude, I was literally like, I did not know that until... Yeah. I, you literally yeah. said it to me now. That's like, what I'm saying, okay. dude. We're talking like 20 plus times. I'm still, still finding it.